Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking John Wick colon Chapter 2 and the Lego Batman movie. I don't know which voice I should use. Should I use the Lego Batman movie or should I use John Wick's voice? Just make it really dark. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, aloha. Out Now is a film podcast where we discuss new movies weekly. We then jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 273. 273? 273? We're getting up there. We're getting pretty old here. That's 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 true. Yeah. And uh, this week we got a we got a double header this week, guys. We were talking John Wick colon chapter two and the Lego Batman movie. I said Lego because it's all caps. Lego it's all caps. Batman movie. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. See you in court. And well, uh, joining you us, Lego Ninjago movie. You got to yell that one out. I'll I'll get there when I get there. <laughs> joining us today to talk John Wick colon chapter two and the Lego Batman movie. We we have uh, from the Tar Heel State. He wants you to stop talking and give him a gun. It's Alan Aguilera. 998. 999. 1,000. All right, guys. I just got done doing my curls for the morning. I've been eating steaks and drinking drinking shakes. How are we doing today? <laughs> how do you shake your steaks? How do you, how do you like them cooked? I just shake it. I don't need, I don't need anything. I don't need to shake anything. I just shake it with my fear. My oh, fear all right. Okay, that's not working out for my throat. How do you guys do? <laughs> okay, we're good. Alan, hey. Hey, guys. Also joining us from Game Revolution, he's armed to the teeth with bat gadgets and ready for a bat-tastic time on this bat-cast. It's Peter Paris. Hey, everyone. How's it all going? It's that's a lot of well. bat stuff that he's armed with. Yep, that's that's how, that's how we're doing it right now. Good. All right. How are, how are the two of you guys doing today? <laughs> I'm starting I'm to regret that I didn't see the Batman movie, but <laughs> I was out of town this weekend, but I'm hearing it's quite good, so I wish I saw it. I, I can't wait to hear your quickies to know what you saw instead of the Lego Batman movie, but we'll get there. No, no, I didn't get to see. Okay, we're good. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get, there. <laughs> we'll get there. Meanwhile, Alan, like a champ, who's pumped himself way up for John Wick, was also like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go see the Lego movie." Also, I mean, he just did, he just did a thousand curls yeah, yeah. <laughs> and had On steaks and shakes each to arm. go along with it. Oh, each arm. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, let's um, <laughs> let's get let's get to some show notes stuff real quick before we move on. Uh, first up, we have a new commentary track coming. We will be recording it this week. It is because the movie, because John Wick Two already came out. We're gonna do a commentary track for Speed. Um, that is that is the plan. That oh, should, great movie! That's a fun movie. That should be a lot of fun to do. I'm looking forward to recording that one and all your uh, all the favorites, including hopefully Abe will be on this commentary yeah. track. It's always nice to get you know my co-host onto the commentaries with us. So oh, what can we'll, I say, uh, man? What can I say? But yeah, that was. That I always was, love doing the commentaries when I can. <laughs> that'll be that'll be a good one to do. I'm certainly prepped. My lovely girlfriend Anna and I we we watched Speed this past weekend, so uh, I I'm certainly even though Speed we both seen Speed many times. It's always fun to watch that movie. So uh, good to better than Die Hard. Good to get. We'll get we'll get we'll get. Oh. To that. <laughs> sounds like that sounds like a fight. These these words will be. T- <laughs> I, I know Scott Mendelson, friend of the show and participant on this commentary, is. Is agreement with you, so we'll, we'll we'll tackle that when we get there. Get that when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, otherwise, uh, I will bring this up once again. Um, so wait, um, Peter, what? to you, it's not Die Hard on a bus; it's Speed in an office building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, let's go over uh, an email we got. We like to get these emails sure. over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. And we always love when people email us there. Yeah, for sure. And last week, um, we uh, we got a question from Philip regarding the the nature of um, uh, of animated films that have that do they have to justify being animated over live action and something of that nature. And we you know we 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 had a good answer I think from our our guest that week, David Bax. But uh, we asked we tasked Philip with you know does he have any specific examples or whatnot? And he actually wrote us back now, and so we're going to read that. It, he, his email writes. Um, Dear Aaron and Abe, last week I asked what your what you thought about negative criticism that an animated film could have been shot live action, and David Bax gave a great answer that helped clarify my thinking. This is a criticism I hear or hear of occasionally and seems to come usually from Western-centric perspective towards anime. Uh, I forget exactly what film was being criticized when I heard it on a podcast a couple weeks ago, but I think it may have been The Wind Rises. I think he's correct. I think David Yeah brought that up. Um, there are some great anime films that could easily translate to live action, such as The Grave of the Fireflies, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, Only Yesterday, Tokyo Godfathers, and so on. But that would be like telling Ansel Adams he should have oil painted his landscapes instead of photographing them. Uh, so thanks for the podcast, guys, and especially for fielding our question. I learn a lot from you and your guests. Thanks, Philip, for the clarification. Aaron, do you want to, you want to take a first stab? Because I've got a – he brings up a good point about the anime stuff. Well, I mean, I, I feel like we've kind of – went over this last week but i mean yeah. it's nice to get a you know a reference point for what he's referring to but yeah certainly while i don't necessarily need anime films to be turned into live action as, as ghost in the shell is about to come out um right. i mean it is i i can see what he's saying I, I personally never heard of like someone you know saying like this film this this film could easily be you know a live action film or should have been but I now that I hear what he's saying, I I get it. I just yeah. It's well, not... especially with the with the, the genre of anime, right? Because you know he lists a lot of really good examples here. Actually, the girl who left the girl who left through time, they did make a live action version of it, which I haven't seen, but I did see the the original anime version, and it's very good. But yeah, when you think about anime specifically, I don't think any of those would really translate into live action as well, because some of them are very. Some of them take place in futuristic worlds and whatever else, which is very difficult to do on a live-action scale. Uh, it's almost just like impossible to get all those color nuances down, or you know, whatever else down. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of like Akira, or um, now I'm thinking of like uh, something like uh, even Cowboy Bebop, which we talked about just earlier uh, in a different episode. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Philip. That it, it's uh, well, actually, I agree with David and you, Philip, in, in that. Uh, David David's answer was, if that's not how the director intended it to be, then just leave it alone. Just let it be uh, that medium. And so, yeah, Philip, thanks for the clarification question. Let's see. I, I will mention this. The Newport Beach Film Festival is coming. Yeah, I know it's coming because there's an actual poster now for it. It has actual art for this year's uh, Newport Beach Film Festival. And so I will mention that they're still accepting interns. So if you're in the SoCal area... Uh, volunteers, I mean. They're now accepting volunteers for the film festival. Wow, Alan, okay. I believe you actually were part of the film fe- the Newport Beach Film Festival once. Yeah, a little uh, out now trivia. That's how Aaron and I met. We met at one of those screenings for, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, cool. Like, if you want to do it, I recommend it if you want to kind of get a good vibe of what's out there in independent cinema. It's a good way to kind of just see what people are kind of producing right now on a really low-end scale, but also you get some cool stuff. It's a good experience uh, if you're curious about how festivals work it's a good way for you to kind of get a good grasp on how you know things are operating and there's there's some good people that work there so if you're interested i go for it yeah for sure speaking of uh, great people that work there my lovely girlfriend anna is of course the director of interns and volunteers at the newport beach film festival and you can email to be a volunteer at volunteer at newport beach film so 
that's there now. But again, for people that are in the SoCal area, they'll want to check it out, just like Alan just mentioned. Yeah, that's a way to go. And lastly, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. It helps out our show. It helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search out now with Aaron You can find it pretty quickly. Uh, give us a star rating and uh, write us a little review. That'd be uh, that'd be great. Yeah, here's the hug. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, the Oscars are coming up, by the way, too. Uh, we will be doing uh, a couple we, weeks. We've been doing um, kind of a, a a friendly competition where Abe and I, along with generally Mark Hoban and Sometimes Mark Johnson. I think we've had him on most of the time, actually. Uh, do a kind of an Oscar Oscar bit. We make our predictions and see who you know, gets the closest to matching up with what the actual results are. So that, yeah, that'll Proud happen. Proud to say that I have, uh, I have never won. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of it. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll, that'll be happening in the, in the very oh. near future. So we'll be uh, putting that together. That'll be a fun bonus episode, essentially. Uh, but, yeah, let's... Um, Let's move on, guys. Let's uh, let's get to uh, Nobody. We could ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know everybody. everybody. All right. Hey, why don't you start this one off? I have a question for everybody here. If uh, if you were almost like a, a John Wick type character where you cared really deeply about your cars, what car would you care about the most? I love my Prius. I don't care. Hey, man. If you I got it, it if you, you got to flaunt it if you got it. Drive it yeah. like you stole it. <laughs> I didn't. I still have like a whole bunch of payments left on it, but <laughs> it's wonderful. Hey, if somebody know. if somebody messed up your car, I totally understand that you'd go after them because you still hey, have no, payments. No, I mess up my car all the time, and I hate myself. <laughs> like, in general. So what was the, what was the question? If you had a what kind of car would what you be very car? protective? What car of? would you go? Yeah, what car? What's the car that would that's in your garage that you'd be upset if somebody uh, came up and scratched it or or made a derogatory remark about buying it from you in Russian? I mean, my car, I think, would be the answer to that question. Yeah, like, maybe 2002? Well, that too, actually. But uh, <laughs> my, my current car, I, I mean, I don't, it's my car. I don't want people to mess with my car. It's true. Like, it's nice to have, like, a, you know, you can, I can appreciate other cars, and I don't necessarily have a dream car, but I, I'd imagine that would be the answer. But my <laughs> current car, because I don't want my current car to look all junky or be disrespected. So. You do have a nice car, Aaron. Thank you, Alan. You'd go on a shooting spree if somebody did. <laughs> yeah, the logical, logical thought. That's the logical John Wick conclusion. I like how, and we'll get to this, but I like how John Wick's opening is an answer to a question that we basically all forgot. We're like, oh yeah, that's right, he did lose his car. Like, we're, all, <laughs> we're so concerned with the dog. It's like, oh yeah, he took his car too, we gotta wrap that loose end up. <laughs> Peter, did you have a car in mind? I mean, I wouldn't mind probably a car like a John Wick, but I mean, personally, I just have like a Scion and it's like 10 years old and, and it has a dent in it. So clearly I did not do any, I did not become John Wickian when that dent happened. So well, we don't know because we're not around you 24 seven. So well, that's what he's telling us. I feel like the people in the John Wick universe would be pretty honest about this. <laughs> that's true. They seem very, they seem uh, very respectful, very, yeah, with very professional. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess I would like to have a nice car and then I would, I, yeah. I, and I think my next car I do think would probably be like a Prius. So I guess I would be very defensive of that. There you go. Protective of that car. The, I guess the Prius is the right answer. Yeah, exactly. thank you. Out <laughs> now, the Prius will make everybody go John Wick. Not go. sponsored by Toyota just yet. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. What action movie would you want to see in Lego form? In Lego form? Yes, like, mm-hmm. what action movie would you like to see in, like, you know how they do, like, Lego trailers, like, remakes of trailers and stuff? What, like, Rock. what like full-length action movie would you like to see remade as a Lego version? Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good one, too. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's, like, the second time in, like, multiple months that Con Air has been mentioned on this podcast in that kind of that, way. The first time true. by my own mother. So there my you go. Just watched it. Yeah, she loves Con Air. Yeah. 
Uh, I just yeah. imagine the beautiful blowing up scenes with uh, Lego pieces. I, I'm, I'm thinking of the scene where like Dave Chappelle's running outside of the plane trying to catch up, and Danny Trejo like flips him off and says no. <laughs> like, or is that Danny Trejo? It's the other guy. It's the other guy. For his hand. I mean, I don't know. But seeing that in Lego form, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to go with uh, uh, Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop. Robo. Okay. Yeah. That actually works on all the stop animation in that movie. I just want to see like Ed what, and what uh, it would all do. Actually, yeah, following that, I was going to say something else, like, not action-related, but following what he's saying... Well, my question was, what action movie would you watch right, to see later? Right, action, so, um, probably, yeah, probably something, one of my favorites, something like The Terminator, which does have stop motion. I'd be curious to see what that would be like, so... My answer would be The Road Warrior. I'd be very curious, The Road Warrior. That'd be a good one, too. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Or I guess Fury Road, for that matter. Lego version. Okay, so the whole entire movie, right? The entire movie in Lego. That's what I'm saying, yes. Wow, yeah. No, that'd be... There's a lot on that list, then. Hmm. Okay, wait. Another one, Black Hawk Down. That'd be great. I have a question for everybody. What's your favorite yeah. Keanu Reeves performance? What's, what, Keanu Reeves performance? Sorry, what's your favorite Keanu Reeves performance? Yeah. That's a fun... I, you know, I saw... Since seeing your list, I did try to, like, make my own um, list of Keanu Reeves movies. Performance-wise, that's tough. Because uh, I, I think there's some legitimately great performances that he's given. Uh, I agree. But I, if I had to think performance, I think his John Wick character might be his best, like, acting performance. I think he's really, I think he does a lot with both his, his physicality and his emotional state of what he's trying to do. I think there's a lot true. that works there as far as what Reeves is capable of as an actor and kind of displaying that really well. First two that come to mind are Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And uh, second one would be uh, what was that second one? I just was thinking about what's the one? Patrick Swayze? Not even kidding. Uh, Point Break. break. That's like his worst acting performance. (laughs) It no, I mean like like he's like a young FBI agent and he's got to go undercover with. It's not good acting. Like it's that's 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 bad acting in that movie. It's it's terrific. So I mean, I love Point Break. I I talked about this with Peter the other day. I love the movie Point Break, and I and like Peter, you said. Patrick Swayze is great in Point Break. Keanu Reeves is not great in Point Break. I think <laughs> I am the say... biggest Keanu Reeves fan on this show and probably in the world. And that dude, he's he's a movie star. He ain't an actor. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's true. But you said favorite. Like, if you said, like... No, Alan said this? best acting performance. Best acting. Oh, no, I thought you said favorite. I thought... Oh, You're coming okay. up with all these alternative questions that I'm asking. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, all like... alternative facts on our show. If it's his best acting... Hmm. I I mean I gotta say I rewatched um I rewatched uh my own private Idaho like when it came out on Blu-ray a few years ago and I actually think he's a lot better in that than I had initially thought because I think the Shakespeare stuff seemed weird to me but I think he's I think he's doing it exactly the way it should be um so I might pick that but I mean I think he's I do really like him in like as Neo and like a lot of his more iconic characters. And and I think Aaron has a point. He's really good at as John Wick. Like he really is. Like, but I don't know. His Idaho I think it's the it was well, the experience that I give props to at John John Wick's point. Like I think there's he's he's grown up acting at this point. He's evolved as an actor. He's become better at what he's capable of doing as a performer. Like my my own private Ivo, that's that's a that is a good performance. I'd rank it up there as high as far as his like acting performances go, but it still rides off of like he's new and try you know, being somewhat improvisational improvisational and like kind of coming up with things that you know, obviously don't rely on a kind of surfer attitude that he did in later films, because that's that's before Bill and Ted and before 
point break and some of the you know the earlier so movies that got him. He, so you think that whereas in point break you think that he's not good but Swayze is you think that in Idaho because most people I think would would kind of do similar thing where they would say that River Phoenix is great in Idaho, but they're not quite sure how they feel about Reeves. So you don't think that's the same as it is in Point Break? Well, I think River or, Phoenix is the better performer of the two in that movie, but Reeves is still good in Idaho. But, okay, so it's not night and day for you like it is in Point Break, I guess. It's not as, like, uh, obvious. I, You know, I really like him. It's weird. I really like him in Point Break. Yeah, I love that movie. But, I mean, yeah. But I guess, yeah, I guess I'd go with Idaho. But I, I see what you're saying about Wick. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. Let's move on now. Now, quickies. Jim. Yep. Each one out now. We were talking about what we were talking about. Yep. That's good. That's good. Props. E-props. E-props. Uh, Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I have. Uh, I've seen a lot, but they're all old movies, which is great because uh, Amazon Prime has all the Indiana Jones on. So I, I rewatched all of those. And then I also watched uh, The Young Pope. On HBO. Hold on, hold on. When you, you said you watched all of the Indiana, does that mean all four of the Indiana Joneses? I, I stopped at, I didn't watch Keen of the Crystal Skull. I didn't watch that one. I feel like you need to clarify when you say this at this point. <laughs> all right. When I'm, I guess it's almost like saying I watched all the Star Wars, and a lot of people just mean the original, right? Maybe. I tended to Maybe. say I watched the original trilogy. Okay. Well, I watched the original, I watched the first three Indiana Jones. Uh, maybe not back to back to back, but uh, that would be a nice feature. And then I watched uh, The Young Pope, which still has two episodes left on HBO, but I caught them somewhere else. Uh, and it's an interesting series. It, there's a lot of uh, – there's some really nice cinematography because uh, Paolo Sorrentino, he's really known for that. But uh, the story itself is uh, – it's it's interesting because there, there's some humor and comedy, but there's also a lot of drama. And it kind of devolves into a uh, – whatchamacallit – a nice little, I guess – inquisitive insight into how a young pope might be thinking uh, especially one such as uh, from the background of jude law so is it worth watching eh, if you if you take it with a grain of salt sure if you liked um paulo sorrento's other films the uh, youth and uh, the great beauty which won the academy Award for best foreign film that year that that came out the mm-hmm. certainly the you know the visual style of it is uh, is is neat to you know take in and yeah jude law gives a very I've seen a couple episodes of it. Jude Law gives a he gives a good performance. It, I I didn't realize he was going to be an American young pope, um, but that's <laughs> what he's going for. And it's always that's, that is what he's going for. Between yeah. this and like I Heart Huckabee's, where he plays American, it's like it's always weird hearing Jude Law not use his you know natural Jude Law his accent. British accent. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've been watching lately. Still catching up on some of the the releases though. Still need to see some of those. Alan, what other movies have you seen recently? Uh, well, I saw the two that we're going to talk about today. Uh, earlier this week, I saw Hidden Figures. I didn't, I didn't really like it. Uh, what? I like the message of the film, and I like what it was trying to do, but then I just felt like everything was too, I don't know. I just, I was bored. I, I really can't explain it. Like, all the performances were great. I kind of knew where everything was going to end up. All these women were strong and powerful. I just didn't, I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, it's interesting, because I really, I, I went into Hidden Figures thinking I would feel the same as you did because mm-hmm. I don't really like a lot of these. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that hidden figures. And I, I think Aaron and I discussed this before the success of movies like the blind side and the help probably helped something like hidden figures get made. But I really liked it. I was surprised at how emotionally engaged I was. Like, I, I can't say it's like 
it's not like Moonlight to me where I feel like it's this like great work of art or anything. But I mean, I don't know. I really liked it. And I don't know. Like everybody, I'm, I can understand why people like the film. I can understand why it's as successful as it is. I can understand why a lot of things I just didn't, I think, I think it was just so much hype and I went by myself and I was like, Oh, let me watch this movie. And it just wasn't as good as I had hoped, I guess, or as good as I thought it was going to be. Cause if it's up for all these Oscar nominations, I thought it was going to be more in line with, a higher caliber film instead of just another Blindside. Does that make sense? Well, Blindside, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Although Blindside and Help were also, uh, wait, Blindside was up for Best Picture. Was yes. the Help? Yes, they both were. Yeah, so those are both. It feels like we, because we've got like you know we've got almost ten nomination, not uh, ten nominees in the last few years. It feels like we've always we've got about three or four, I guess like audience favorite movies. That's the I idea. Guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. But I mean, Aaron, you were where you went. In, did you go into Hidden Figures? What did you think it was going to be? Did you think you'd be like, eh, this is OK? Like, but I know you really liked it. Like I went in with very little. No, I don't, I don't think I saw a trailer for Hidden Figures before seeing Hidden Figures. I was I was interested just because of what I had a general idea of what the story was. And I didn't even realize Costner was in it until fairly late into the <laughs> into the game. And, you know, it, in a movie where. You know, Kevin Costner's around doing his thing. I know, still able to enjoy it very much. I think that's something right there. But I think the difference between that and Blindside and um, the help with Hidden Figures for me is that it, it the perspective. I mean, it's rely. It's it's not like we're being introduced. I've said this before. But it's not like we're being introduced to these women through Kevin Costner's character or something like that. In the same way that you have Emma Stone or um, Sandra Bullock as you know the the white savior, white perspective character that you go to to get to these other characters that are you know more interesting and more beneficial. Like so, I was. It's it was the idea of getting a movie that's you know sold for entirely from their perspective um, that gives you a yes it's a, it's a nice story that follows a particular formula but I think it played really well I think it was a really well a really good example of that formula playing out and also just enjoyable and well acted like I I get what you're saying I I understand there's a there's a safeness to it compared to other best picture nominees that you know obviously doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna win best picture or something like that but at the same time I can appreciate what it's I can appreciate where its heart is and how it accomplishes what it tries to do. Mm. Well, I, I haven't I, seen it, but I just, it's not, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's, it's not my favorite. It's not garbage. I don't hate it. I just wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, I also saw Silence and we need to uh, fix my 2016 because it's my favorite movie of the year. Silence <laughs> <laughs> right. is great. Peter, what other films are you seeing this week? Actually, I say this with trepidation because I'm I, I think the moment I say this, um, listeners might have a view of me, um, but it'll be quickly changed because I'm pretty sure I, I didn't bring this up on our last podcast. Um, my girlfriend and I have been strangely on a pure flicks kick. Have I told you this? You mentioned this before. Yeah. Um, so I watched God's not. Well, I watched I'm not ashamed, which is the Christian girl who is the first to die Columbine. And then I just watched God's Not Dead 2 with uh, Melissa Joan Hart. And I find the process of wa- – or not the process, but I find watching these Christian-funded uh, movies interesting to me because it – this is going to sound kind of weird, but it's interesting to me in the sense of like you have – it feels like – and I could be totally wrong. It feels like you have um, people – who want who have an agenda and they want to do something and their thing is they want to spread the word of of Jesus and his teachings and so they get a bunch of people to and I'm assuming they hire people who actually know how to shoot movie like cinematographers and stuff d- together but 
they aren't necessarily movie people. And I think so often being a film fan, I'm used to seeing movies where even like, you know, something like um, Don't Breathe uh, or the guy who who made uh, the guy who uh, before that made Evil Dead. That guy went to film school and, he, and he's a huge film nerd and he loves movies and he loves Sam Raimi and all these kind of things. And so when he makes his own movie, you can feel that influence. What's interesting to me about a pure flicks thing, and it could, and I'm sure you could think of another example, is it's interesting to me that notion of these people, this collective, has something they want to do, and they have chosen uh, movies, and it could also be television or whatever to spread that message. But they're not really movie people, and so there's a lot of ineptness, you know, in the narrative and the way they, um, even the performances, the way they direct the actors, and I know that. The cynic in me wants to just make fun of it. And that is what I did at first. I was just like, oh, this is terrible and everything. Oh, my God, this is so bad. But now I'm starting to find it interesting because I'm like, this is it's an interesting thing when you're seeing somebody or some group and they want to do something and they don't really know about the process. But it's interesting. But that's what they want to do. And I'm again, I'm sure you guys can think of another example. I guess it would be maybe maybe in a strange way like music. If you just for some reason felt compelled to write a political song and it was very important to you, but you don't really know how to play guitar. You're not really a you know, musician. I don't know. Does any of this make sense? It does. I mean, uh, what you're saying, I mean, there's the, you're, you're basically speaking to the, like the, you're speaking to the, 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 you know, the amateur quality of the production that takes place sometimes because like, like you're saying, it's, it's not coming from a passion for film necessarily. Yes. But I feel like a lot of times when people like, and I, I hope I, I am grouping us together because we're all movie lovers. We will see a horror film that costs no money or horror film that costs no money or or whatever, a low budget. You know, the guys who did Primer, um, which are the guy who later. Oh, was it Shane? Shane Carruth. Carruth. But see, like, that's different. That's the those people have no money, but they want to make a movie that feels more like they're probably still film people and they know about how to about shot composition, but they're limited by their budget. That's. It's a little, that's not quite the same. Actually, you know what? I just thought of an example. In a weird way, I mean, even though I think he was obviously a film nerd, I guess it's kind of like Kevin Smith's Clerks. I don't think Kevin Smith, I think Kevin Smith was more of a movie person, but I don't think he really knew anything about filmmaking when he made Clerks. He went to film school and dropped out and did his own thing. Oh, and he went to film school. Okay, well then, it's not evident in that movie, but okay. Um, But I bet he dropped out. But I guess I do feel like when we think of independent movies we see, we tend to think like, oh, it's just they're constrained by their budget. Like, really, the pure flicks, no, I mean, they're not really constrained by their budget. I mean, like, the photography's fine. It's just like, but they're constrained by they don't really have the craft or something. They don't know about that. And that's what I find strangely Again, I, I I really don't want listeners to think I'm I'm just making fun of this. It's not. It's bad. too late, Peter. They already do. Right. <laughs> you you ruined their conception of you. Right. It's really just I find that compelling. I find it compelling when someone has they want to do something and they're just trying to figure out how to use these tools to make that happen. And I just find that interesting. I've seen a few things this week. All right. um, no features I want to add because I've got, we've got, we've got the two main features. Later. Yeah, but I I've watched a couple things. Uh, I want to get I want to mention Legion. The new FX series. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's from a director producer uh, Noah Hawley, who did the uh, the Fargo series for FX, and now he's also done Legion, which is a based off an X Men character. Um, who in comics wise, he's the son of uh, Professor Xavier. But this movie it, or the show, which is like a ninety minute season premiere, it um it's so far it's it's separate from the X Men film universe. There might be some connection down the line. We'll see. Um, but Dan Stevens plays 
the character who eventually becomes his name is Legion essentially. But uh, it, I I found it to be fascinating. I think it's very well made. It's very well shot. Very interesting uh, to look at. Um, but and very well performed. But I what I really admired is that it's in where you have like the X Men films that you know deal with being an outcast or what have you from society in various forms. They've explored a number of themes all related to that in the various team up movies. This one is essentially a look at like mental illness where the character quite he doesn't really understand that he has a mutant ability essentially where and it'll be explored more in the show or whatnot but like and he has a lot of powers Alan I think you're aware of the character right Yes yeah but I have a question yeah uh, in Legion does Paul Bettany show up in this or not No <laughs> no Paul <laughs> well, I, I think uh, Aubrey Plaza actually plays the Paul Bettany type character that you're referring to Oh okay just um, just checking He had to make sure <laughs> But, That's a valid question. But it, it's it. I found it to be quite interesting. Where it's it's both you know entertaining for being you know an FX series in a in a X Men type universe. Um, but the kind of writing thematic is is this person like is he does he have mental problems like does he is he is he challenged by things that he doesn't understand and what to what extent does that go to? And so I'm very I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. Because um, the I think all the ads really focus on just this pilot, and I don't know what to expect next. I don't know where it's going from this point, but I certainly one that I really enjoyed watching. I also I mentioned this last week because it premiered on Netflix, but the Santa Clarita Diet. Uh, How is it? This is the the zombie show starring Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I've watched the whole thing at this point. It's quite good. It grew on me. Uh, the first two episodes are directed by Ruben Fleischer, who did Zombieland, and I think this further shows why I'm not a huge fan of zombie. Like I like Zombieland, but not to the degree that many others seem to, because I didn't like those first two episodes all that much, but then the rest of it, which is directed by various people from indie and comic world, such as Ken Quapis and Lynn Shelton, I really liked where it went and how it evolved and how the characters grew and whatnot. I, I think it did a good job of being Netflix's kind of version of weeds with zombies instead of marijuana, essentially, kind of right. a, a suburban satire uh, that uses you know, a horror premise to kind of get across what it's going for. But uh, no, it, it's, uh, it's quite good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Anna and I were able to watch the, I mentioned we watched the live action and animated shorts last week. This week we were able to watch the uh, short documentary nominations for the Oscars. Oh, cool. Uh, not, not as entertaining necessarily as the live action animated films because they're mostly about refugees and sad circumstances and things. Uh, Anything still, uplifting? <laughs> I mean. Or, or is there like a lighthearted one? The, the lightest one would maybe be Joe's Violin, which is about this concentration <laughs> camp. It doesn't sound very it, lighthearted. It's about a concentration camp survivor. Yes, who that's kind of what I thought it would be. <laughs> um, but no, there's, I mean, there's certainly, there's there's good work going into all of those. Sure. They, of they, they deserve to be seen a lot. Uh, I believe two or three of them are on Netflix, um, but yeah, they're, they're worthwhile films. Okay. So yeah, that's enough quickies. Yep. Let's move on now. Let's get to... Um, trailer talk we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming out what we thought of it what have you and this week we're talking the lego ninjago movie the the up the the next movie set in the lego movie universe or the lego verse um this one involves six young ninjas who are they basically need to defend their home from on which is the, the island of ninjago uh from some kind of bigger uh, threat um Gar- garmadon um and yeah, that's the, that's the basic premise there. There's a lot of voices: Jackie Chan, Justin Thoreau, uh, Dave Franco, Michael Pena, Olivia Munn, Zach Woods, Camille Nanjiani, Fred Armisen, among others. Uh, Alan, what do you think of the trailer for the Lego Ninjago movie? The only um 
type of reference I have towards Ninjago is that I always buy them for my nephews and open them on Christmas. So that's really kind of the only interest I have. It looks fine. My girlfriend, though, she hates it already because she thinks it should be pronounced Ninjago. And they're missing an entire. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Because Ninjago doesn't make sense. Ninjago kind of gives it the idea that it's actiony and progressive and fun. Uh, it looks fine. It's, it. I mean, it looks funny, but I probably won't rush out to the theater or make it a double feature with something unless you make me do it. <laughs> we would never make you do anything you don't want to do. Do we want to remind? Do I want to remind you about G- Jack and the Giant Killer? <laughs> do I want to remind you guys about that week? I mean, Ian, you and McGregor had great hair, dude, in that movie. <laughs> Peter, how about you? What do you think of the Lego Ninjago movie trailer? I thought it looked funny. I it's funny, you know. I don't. I didn't. I liked the Lego movie. Uh, I really didn't like the ending, but I I liked the aesthetic of the Lego movie. And I have not seen Batman yet, but I'm starting. I guess I'm late to the party here because when I watched the Lego Ninjago trailer, you know, the Taylor and obviously the Taylor Swift thing, the bad blood cue is pretty cute. Like I'm starting to feel like I'm. I'm finally getting the I'm finally getting the vibe. I'm like, oh, I think I'm finally getting this. I think I'm finally getting why people like the the Lego movies so much. Um, yeah, that looked funny. I like Lloyd, like a cute, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm like I said. I think this week I'm gonna fi- go get check out Batman, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. But I think I will definitely be on board for Ninjago. Abe? Much like uh, Alan, I, I really don't have a point of reference to this. I don't even buy my ne- nieces and nephews Ninjago Legos. I just. I've seen them and I've heard about them and I, I know that there was a cartoon on on uh, is a Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon, uh, but uh, I really don't know much about it. So I guess uh, one of my fears is that I'm going to go into this movie and kind of not know where they're starting off or not get the inside jokes. But I feel like that's not a thing. Like the, I, there, there yeah, might be some there might be some inside jokes at most. So, I, yeah, I, that, I, that's yeah, kind but, of what I figured as I got more into the trailer because I was like, I don't know who any of these people are, and then. They started talking, and there's jokes that I would get as just an adult person uh, well, just laughing at the movie. Beats, there's probably going to be a leftover joke before an inside joke to the to TV show. I think we're fine. Yeah, but uh, for the most part, I as a Lego movie universe, cinematic movie universe, progr- grows and expands, then sure, I guess this would be the right property because I guess it is one of their more popular lines. So. Abe, I have a question. Yeah. Last week you watched Storks. I did. Did you get the Lego Ninjago movie trailer thing in front of Storks? No, well, I watched it on a plane, so there were no there were no previews. Well, I don't know. I mean, like it's like what are they like like Pixar does of having shorts before their movie starts. They could when I saw when Anna and I saw no, Storks, I they had I didn't they know had that this... there was a a short before Storks. Yes, well, there was there was one with Jackie Chan versus this chicken, and it was pretty funny. Like it was really it... is it Ninjago thing? Well, yeah, it's the, his character okay. Ninjago doing this thing. Um, so I, yeah, it was a short. Yeah. It was a short film. I wasn't sure if it was a trailer. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be in the Ninjago movie as part of the whole thing, but it seemed like yeah. it was a pretty self-contained little story thing. Okay. So. It was good? Yeah, it's funny. I was just curious if you had seen that before no, you hadn't. watched Storks. If they, which like, which oct- actually would have been very... Uh, I would have noticed, because it just went straight into Storks, but no, that would have uh, that would have certainly whet my appetite a little bit more for the Ninjago movie. But again, all that said, uh, I'm happy that they're going to make it, because all these Lego movies have been... Pretty funny uh, for adults as well as children. So hopefully it just continues that trend, um, and I, I wish it well. I will say, yes, I'm not familiar with the Ninjago universe, but I feel like this trailer tells me I don't need to be. I wouldn't be surprised if there are in-jokes for 
an audience that has been familiar with Ninjago for years in the same way that, you know, myself and you guys are familiar with Batman and have reference to the inside jokes that go along with the general broad humor that's throughout that movie, which we'll get to. Um, but I don't think that's going to stop me from enjoying this movie. Like, I, if you know I love the Lego movie, we'll talk about the Bat- Lego Batman movie soon, and I'm pretty much all in on whatever Lego movie they come up with at this point. It, it seems like there's a good attitude for what's going on here. I'm a little more curious as because you know these it's not like it has um the uh the guys where are the guys from the lego movie and the chris lloyd and or yeah, chris phil, phil, phil miller, miller and chris lloyd phil miller and chris lloyd. yeah it doesn't have those guys and it doesn't have um chris mckay who did lego batman movie let alone all the robots like it it's guys that are from like art departments and have been involved in other movies and stuff but not like they're they're, they're, they're these are like their debut movie and there's 11, 11 credited screenwriters here, it seems, or something like that. So it's like a lot that, so I, you know, the talent, I'm saying the talent involved is less kind of esteemed in my eyes as far as these Lego movies go. Uh, so I'm curious at that point. But at the same time, the trailer made me laugh. Like it has some funny moments in there. I, I, I like, like Peter, you said, the aesthetic is interesting to me. I like seeing the, the effort put into this animation world and the action. I mean, there's a, there's a little dose of what the action is, but I liked what I was seeing in it. I like, there's some, there's a, I mean, it's a small little bit in like a kitchen where it's, where you know, they, they're, it, it looks like a Jackie Chan movie essentially, where they're using the kind of random objects around them to help fight and whatnot. And the story seems like a mix of like Power Rangers and Pacific Rim of all things. So it's like, <laughs> all right, I can get behind that. Like, I, I'm very curious. Um, so yeah, I'm certainly optimistic about another Lego movie, given that the first two Lego movies, um, have certainly been very well received. So, uh, sure, Dad. Sure, Dad. See where that goes. But the Lego Ninjago movie opens on September 22nd uh, this fall. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's, we're going to, speaking of Legos, we're going to move into not a Lego movie for our first review, uh, which is going to be John Wick, colon, chapter two. How good to see you again so soon, Mr. Wick. I need you to do this task. I'm not that guy anymore. You're always that guy, John. I can't help you. You know the rules. If you don't do this, you know the consequences. Accounts payable. How may I help you? I'd like to open an account. Name on the account? John Wick. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for John Wick, colon, chapter two. Keanu Reeves is back as John Wick, the assassin who pulled off an impossible task and left the business only to come back to avenge his dead car and dog. Um... The film picks up a few days later, after the first film, and finds John now reluctantly going back on an assignment to fill a debt. A blood debt. Things do not go as planned, leading John Wick through a deadly odyssey full of bullets, blood, and baddies. Various assassins come out of the woodwork, the rules of the Continental and other assassin world aspects are expanded upon, and John Wick shoots a lot of people in the head. I'm going to start with Peter. What were your thoughts on the on the first John Wick, and how do you think this film was able to kind of pull off its second chapter? I was looking forward to the first John Wick when I saw the trailer because I was like, oh, the you know, it was like the fight choreography looks really cool. Um, I liked the first John Wick. I'm a I'm a unabashed fan of Keanu Reeves. I know he's one of those a defender of him. Like I know he gets um, other people like to rag on him a lot, and so I was really looking forward to John Wick. And while I liked it, you know, I definitely thought it was better than like you know, the equalizer and a lot of other, these other, where you have these kind of big stars that are now doing older guy action movie. And to be fair, Keanu is not as old as Denzel or Liam Neeson. Um, I didn't 
quite jive with the annoying guy from Game of Thrones being the villain and like some of that stuff. I was because like, because he was annoying, like he should be. Yeah, you know, well, that's that's always the trick with that is that he's supposed to be annoying and entitled, but <clears throat> there's a, there's a limit to how much I actually want to see that on screen. It's always it's tricky. Um, but I still liked it. I definitely was like. Eh, it's like BB plus. So I was like, it's good. I, I, I didn't feel the need. I hadn't watched it again. Like, you know, I, I got it when it came out and everything. So John Wick chapter two, or do you want me to say that? Or just, yeah, no, yeah. Go into your thoughts on John, John, Wick, John Wick chapter two. Uh, I saw it with you and um, I was, you know, hopefully I was like, okay, well, I hope it's, hope it's good and everything. And I like loved it. Like, I think it's the best. It's the best. Like, I don't know what category we put this in because at first, I want to say it's the best action movie in years, but I'm like, well, no, Fury Road is better. I was like, so if we're just, but I guess what I mean is more, I don't know, movie with uh, fight scenes and guns and stuff. I don't know we would categorize that, but I mean, to me, it is certainly. I mean, it's an action film. I mean, that's. I mean, yes, there's degrees. Well, right, of action, so there's degrees of action films, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a standard action movie. I mean, there's, there's car chase movies or heist movies or what have you. Yes, it's an right. action movie. I mean, it doesn't really. Um, have a defining category necessarily. It's not a revenge thriller in the first way that the first John Wick was. Right. I mean, but this one, I mean, really for me, I mean, it, it is nearly like a five out of five. I mean, like it's probably a 4.5 because it's not Mad Max, but I mean, like it's, I don't know, man. It's, I thought it was pretty great. I thought one, it used Reeves really well. I thought that the, unbelievably, I thought the action scenes were even better. Like they just, some of it maybe is the budget, you know, like they really were like, okay, now we can really try this. There's a, sequence where uh reeves and uh common um it feels like a 10 or 15 minute sequence and it's so good i mean it, it really is just like i can't think of anything that like except for maybe the raid or like i mean like i had to go to something like that fury road well that's the trick i'm not gonna count well, fury road isn't really it's not really there's really fight scenes and i mean when i'm talking there are lots of fight scenes in fury right, road there is one fight scene in fury road that's amazing which is when he first meets Furiosa. That that's pretty amazing. Most I mean, of it there's, is there's, like there's, there's hunting battles. Of, I mean, I keep seeing clips of it on HBO, and it's like I'll just sit here for ten minutes. But like, there's, I mean, there's yes, it's a lot of car-based action, but there's a lot of like Max is fighting other people on tops of cars while things are happening. It is, but I guess I know it. But I, yes, I get yeah. what you're, I keep going. I, I know what you're saying. Keep going. Anyways, I want to hear what other people think, but no, I loved it. But the, the only thing I wanted to say was that as good as Reeves is, and he and I, I think he's terrific in these kind of roles. I thought they were really smart this time to to really play up having a lot of veteran actors like. Um, well, I mean, having obviously Lawrence Fishburne show up, although he's not in it that much. But you have Fishburne, McShane. Obviously, again, uh, uh, Lance Reddick, you have these characters, these veteran actors who get to be, and I mean this as a compliment, who get to kind of overplay or be a little hammy. So essentially, they get to be the kind of comedic element to the movie. They put a, they put like a balance on it where you're like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, I, I'm kind of enjoying this and stuff. Not to say that Reeves can't be funny, too, but I don't know. It really feels really well balanced. And... I don't really, I don't genuinely, I don't usually like this in genre movies. One of my biggest criticisms, and I think Aaron, you agree, in horror films is if, if there's some kind of boogeyman like Michael Myers, you don't want to overexplain Michael Myers. You don't want to say he's he's part of a cult, you know, eventually because it it starts to. I think the paranormal activity movies can kind of do this, like it lessens the hor- the uh, the spookiness, the mystery. However, here it's an action movie. I actually really liked how they built on the secret league league of assassins thing and and the commodore and all that stuff and like i actually was very intrigued 
then when the movie ends, I was like, well, I can't wait to see part three. I was like, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go. Yes, I love Alan, explain to the audience your kind of marathon involving Reeves in this upcoming film and then your thoughts on John Wick 2. So a little over a month ago, I was getting really excited. Oh, I've been excited for John Wick 2 since they announced it. But a little over a month ago, I I thought about a pun of counting down to John Wick 2. And I thought, oh, the Keont down. So... I was like, oh, I'm going to start doing a 30-day countdown until John Wick 2. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. I'll post a picture of you know, Keanu Reeves every day. I'll just find something random just to kind of keep it going. And uh, about day 20, uh, when I had like 23 days left, I, I was regretting it because I was like, oh, I had to do this for another 23 days. So there was a weird – like, so I've been kind of counting it down. And like the last 12 days into it, I did like my top 12 favorite Keanu Reeves movies. Um, so I was really stoked – about it i love keanu reeves he's not necessarily my favorite i don't think he's the best actor in the world but if he's in a movie i'm gonna watch it because i i like him as a personality if that makes sense like i think he can he does certain things that are it's just he's a different kind of dude to watch on the screen and i always liked it and it's weird because he may not be the best actor in the world but to me it's believable to see him in these roles but the thing that made john wick work so much for me is that but what peter was pointing out you put him in a position with all these other great Juilliard trained actors and they get to ham it up and Keanu Reeves gets to be that stoic personality that is almost the boogeyman. He's just dressed in all black. He he's supposed to not have much of a personality. That's that's who John Wick is. John Wick is a killer. John Wick is who everyone is terrified of. So he's not going to be emotive. He's not going to be cracking all these wise jokes. He's going to be plain and he emotes through his action and he emotes through his gun. He emotes through his fist. He, he emotes through his knife, which is, I think, great casting for Keanu Reeves because it kind of works. It's, you play to his strengths as opposed to his weaknesses. So the first movie. Which I, I think was, is what, that's what Reeves has done a lot in his films. Yeah. Since really like he's Matrix sure, and yeah, on. Yeah. Like, I think he's been very, he's, he's very selective about what he can do and what, what works for his type of performance. Yeah. So Regardless I, of how good the movie is. Yeah. Sorry. And he has good taste in the movies he picks. He's just sometimes it just doesn't work out. I mean, if I was him and I got offered Bram Stoker's Dracula done by Coppola, I would have done it. Well, that, I, mean, that, I mean, that's that's early on when they were when basically studios were you know, positioning him as you know the certain the current it star and what have you. And so, he Alan, I mean, that letter was sent to you. I guess it just went to the wrong address. I guess so. Yeah. But I, I, what I, what I'm saying though, I get what I, what I'm saying in general about Reeves though, it's like it, you don't, you know, in the same way you see certain other actors, you don't see Reeves doing movies that feel like paycheck roles. No. Like you see Reeves in roles that are what a what requires a Reeves these days, essentially. Well, I think it's interesting. I think after the gift, it was really a turning point for him in his career because he did good work in that. And then kind yeah. of the Matrix just paid him, so that's where he makes his money, and he just does whatever he wants. Oh, yeah. I mean, even the Matrix, though the Matrix, I think, is very much like Wick, where you're supposed it's supposed to be like an analog character. Like you know, mm-hmm. you just you, know, you can kind of invest whatever you want into him in the same way you can into certain video game characters, because he's the right. one and he has the kind of an everyman quality to him and the blankness, like you were saying earlier too. Where which isn't an, when we say blankness, it's not an insult necessarily. It's more of just a the kind of presence he brings. There is an authority there to an extent, depending on the role, but there's also a kind of a something incredulous about him that is intriguing and mysterious in some ways. Like there are other actors in um, Hollywood that I feel get that kind of role. Like you kind of place them in certain roles, but I think Keanu Reeves just kind of works in the analog position for a character. What's, what's, what's irritating about that is some people find that fascinating. Others feel like it's, they don't know what to think. So the choice is to mock it, which is what has happened for 
a lot of people. Well, that's like our earlier movies. conversation of us mocking, or not necessarily us mocking, but us criticizing pure film because they have a certain. It's just it's a niche for every person, and I don't necessarily want to. I don't, I don't know people who. No, no, yeah, I mean, there's no. I mean, it, yeah, it's not. There's no reason to come down on something because you don't understand it. It's just okay. That's not your thing necessarily. It's not the you know the the way you you choose you choose to travel. Yeah, just oh, that's fine. Fair enough. Not everybody wants to drive a Prius. I get it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, back to the first John Wick. I didn't have the pleasure of watching it in the theater because of a lot of things. I just missed it because it kind of out here we didn't get it for very long. North Carolina. So I caught it on Blu-ray, and I... They didn't have movie machines there yet? <laughs> well, no. Like, it came in late October, and I, I think I, by the time I had a chance, because I was on vacation for, like, a week and a half, by the time I came back, it was, like, only, like, at 9.50 or at 10.20 a.m. Well, yeah, because it, 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 it was a smaller release when it came out. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it had its fans, and it did well critically, but, I mean, it, it didn't make much money. I mean, <laughs> like, it made, like, I think yeah. it made under 100 worldwide, the first movie. Yeah. And I don't think it did a lot over here, which is weird. But I don't. I also just don't pirate anything because I don't. So I waited till Blu-ray, and then I watched it. and I loved it just for the whole thing. So I was amped for John Wick two, and oh boy, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> I was really hyperbolic on my Facebook for my review of it because, you know, I chose was... not to read it because I wanted to entertain a chance that you would be massively disappointed by. It, but clearly, you're not. Oh no 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 no. There. Okay. Like I was talking to Brian White from White So Blue on the comment section. I think it's 80% perfect. There is a really slow period after, the, like, I think the first initial chase when he kind of has to travel that I think is very slow. But once him and Common face off, it's nonstop. Once he, so once he does the, have, once he attempts to do the mission, it's pretty much nonstop. <laughs> oh, it is wonderful. But getting to that mission, oh my goodness. I also didn't really like, uh, there's a scene that I felt was very. I was like, almost womanizing towards one of the female characters in it. I just didn't. That, that didn't sit well with me. You mean actually, I like the Ruby Rose character. Are you talking about Ruby, no, Rose? Ruby Rose? No, that not was, at all. Because she doesn't try to do anything. That's the entire yeah. film to be an adversary on John Wick's level, and I loved it. And she's smaller in stature, and she's still kind of that was that was a cool fight. I'm talking about when uh, he meets the um, Italian his uh, sister. Oh, the target. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I guess that scene plays out a little weird. I. Eh, it was, I, I can kind of see what you mean. I was okay with it, but I see. I just didn't think that that was what the initial idea of what the movie was going to – like, that's not what this movie is. It's not about – like, John Wick 1 wasn't about being derogatory towards women at all. It was about avenging a dog that was gifted by a, his wife. Uh, this one was like, oh, I don't know why they're doing this. This is weird. Like, my hyperbolic Alan gave it 5 out of 5 because that I was so amped and – I was shaking with excitement because of how – amped up and happy I was with the action scene because it was unapologetically violent. Just just because. Because that's kind of what you needed. And I don't necessarily care for guns. I don't want to own a gun. I don't think they're good for a lot of reasons. But I love seeing them in films because I think it's just a lot of fun to watch. I am able to displace that between real life and film. And I think John Wick is, John Wick is such fun escapism. And it's probably one of the best... It's probably the best action movie I've seen since The Rock. And I, I, I just loved it, and I can't wait to go see it again. Um, I can't wait, 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 this, this movie or that, or the first John Wick? No, I'm sorry, John Wick 2, J-Dub 2. Okay. <laughs> J-Dub uh, 2. John Wick 2 had uh, capitalized on all the action sequences from the uh, first film. Uh, it's not as simple as the first film in the way that the story kind of progresses, but I liked it. They focused on the things I wanted them to focus on. They talked more about the underground culture. They talk, They show John Wick kind of building up his arsenal when he goes to see the sommelier i lost it i was 
happier than a pig and shit. That was the best scene. I loved it. So the entire buildup, the entire world building, which is what I really liked from the first one, kind of gave it that fun, pulpy edge. And I think it's just, it, it's a it's a B-movie at heart that I kind of think delivers on an A-level movie action sequences. Does that make sense? I'd say that's about right. I would yeah. agree. That's Yeah, I could see that. Abe, what were your thoughts on John Wick 2? John Wick 2 is a very fun movie, and much like John Wick, the first one, that was probably one of the best theater-going experiences I had that year in 2014. And I was kind of bummed out. You mentioned this earlier. I was kind of bummed out that a lot of not, not a lot of people went to go see it in theaters. Um, but the people who did, we all hooped and hollered, and it was a fantastic movie-going experience. John Abe, Abe, was, Abe, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. They made a sequel, so it's okay that not many people What? That's crazy. First John Wick. <laughs> that, that is wild. John Wick 2 is also a really good and fun movie for all the reasons that Peter and uh, Alan espoused upon. And just to add on to that, it's uh, I liked the way that they uh, continue to build onto the world that they that John Wick is living in. I think I read somewhere online that somebody was calling it almost like a, uh, a Harry Potter of sorts in that there's this this magical fantastical world. I've seen uh, that. I've heard that comparison a lot. The Harry Potter yeah. thing of all things. But I certainly liked the rules that they put up and the way that they go about things and the way that they continue to. Um, uh, which call it uh, accept those rules as all these characters in the movie do, but uh, technically speaking, I certainly like the way that the movie looks, the way that it was shot, the cinematography is really well done, action choreography is really good, same the same way that it was in the first one. Um, you can see everything clearly, all the fight sequences, uh, all the action sequences involving gunplay. I mean, that's all really funny. There's actually a point where uh, a lot of us laughed. But uh, it's where Common is upstairs and John Wick is downstairs. And oh my God! Of, yes, that, that's <laughs> they're having like this little like uh, shoot off uh, with silenced guns. And um, again, it, it's it's a well thought out movie in that uh, they think about the world, but they also think about the action. But they also think about John Wick in that like what you guys have all been saying. He's a. Uh, I mean, they mentioned this right in the beginning. They basically they basically go through the first movie before you. But he's a he's a man of few words, but he's also just super resolved. Uh, he's basically made of pure will. And uh, he will do everything that in his uh, capacity to complete any sort of task that is put in his way. Um, and so as the movie goes on, though, there is maybe a little bit of a lull. I can't remember. I think it might have been Peter who said that there's a little bit of a lull uh, after the first action sequence. Or was that was that Alan? Alan. Alan. So I agree with Alan there uh, because that kind of just helps to set up the, the second part of the movie and also to set up the rest of the John Wick universe. Uh, so it, it, there's no real payoff in that part just yet and that, that I have yet to see. Um, but again, it was a really well thought out thing. And I especially liked like the game of death type thing where they're playing with a lot of mirrors because that, um, it was really clever the way that they shot it. And then they, they disguised the camera and, well, and very, like, very enter the dragon. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Or, uh, was, lady, or lady, lady from Shanghai is what I think of before some yeah. But on the whole, it's, uh, See, it's a really like competent movie. movie. There's a lot yeah. of movies that use, yeah, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of movies that lot use mirror. the mirror. But, yeah. but uh, on the whole, it's a really competent movie. I think it's a terrific follow-up. Again, I actually, I, it, it's funny because Peter Stromer is not Russian, but I love that he always plays Russians in movies, and uh, he's always really good at playing that that grimy kind of character. So, gotta love he's Peter Stromer. He's a grimy kind of guy. <laughs> True, but... Much to your point, again, they've thought of a lot of things, and they even thought about how to close out the first movie in the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, for 15 minutes of the movie. I mean, it's really, again, good kudos to all these guys. I hope that they continue to make this and make it with a lot of passion. So, 
hopefully it's not just a cash grab in the future. Uh, I mean, there's no chance. It's not a cash grab at this point. They know what they're doing, and Reeves is all like, "Yeah, let's keep going." Let's do it. Like, but I, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed John Wick Chapter Two. Like it, it is very much in the lead of other. Why did you hate John Wick Chapter? <laughs> why would very... you give it five out of five? Why were you so hard on it? I can get to why I wouldn't give it five out of five, but it's certainly it's in the league of sequels that do a kind of bigger, bigger routine without you know repeating the first movie essentially, right. where. Yeah. In the same way that like I think the raid is obviously a good comparison where that's the, a great I, comparison. I, I, I was able to watch I was able to watch the first two raids again just to kind of center myself on on why the raid two is better. Um, but, but with the, what I with the difference between those two uh, is like the the raid is edited for maximum brutality, where these John Wick films are edited for maximum efficiency. Um, like you really you feel the pain in those raid movies where John Wick is more like it's not about like making people suffer; it's more about just getting the job done, and that's why he shoots everybody in the head and gets you know keep moving. And what I can, what I appreciate really though about John Wick is that it's a bright and colorful world. Like, and yes, in both, in both world building and like visually, it's very colorful. It's very interesting. Like, you watch a lot of action movies and they have the same kind of like gray, cool blue tones that aren't really expressive. I think Something you're talking like, about Max Payne. No, because there's no, that's not an action movie. That's just oh. a guy walking around and sometimes he has a gun in his hand. I mean, that, well, I'm talking about, you know, good action classified movies. under garbage. Yeah, that's a garbage movie. <laughs> We're not talking about garbage movies. But I mean, like the raid. The raid is a movie that you know it 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 is very gr- the first one especially is very grimy. Um, second one's a lot more kind of it kind of visually expands itself. But there, there's a lot of other like you know the Bourne movies or what have you, which you know are good. Uh, but there's you know there's a look to them that doesn't it's it's grounded. John Wick doesn't try to be grounded in any way. This is not a world that exists. Like it is very much a, a fantastical comic booky type world. And this sequel right. is like this kind of gothic broke new way of like like really expanding because they get to go to rome and they go you know further into the kind of new york underworld of these assassins and you know it's not a there's not it's not like a scene where cops arrive or something to suddenly make things right or something it's there's there's no logic in reality that the world takes place in right but i like all that i like that it's where the first film had a very you know very guided way of looking at things where it's just john wick goes after a guy and everyone else that was involved in you know killing his dog this one's like all right now he's reluctantly put on this mission which means, you know, delving into that world head on, and so we get to see a lot of the underworkings and what and what you guys were talking about involving the Continental and the other hotels. I like that um, Franco Nero, uh, the of, of Django fame, the original Django. He's he, he's the the manager of the other hotel in Rome. Right. That that made me that made me smile. <laughs> well, um, I lost it in the theater, and I don't think anybody understood. Yeah, because no one. Yeah, yeah, Franco Nero is such a random, especially yeah. I imagine North Carolina. <laughs> Many people they're like, oh, Franco Nero's here. That's great. Uh, but no, there's a lot of yeah, just colorful characters, colorful environments. There's so much here, and I really liked the first half of where. I mean, you guys were saying it's a bit slow. I didn't mind what no, it was no, no, doing because no. I... the first half wasn't slow. There's just like one little piece in the middle between the two halves that I thought was a little slow. But I like both halves. I mean, the first, I mean, I don't know what you're first, the only part. The, the there's a part that I know is slow to me, which is once again Lawrence Fishburne, who seems to like that's operate the part movies. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's not between the halves. That's in, that's like in the third act. Like that's through the yeah, end of the, movie. For the finale. Yeah, it's the big setup. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 what heck, what gets him to the final action sequence, but. Sure. The, See, I thought that was rad because after they explained this entire world and you're kind of getting a good grasp for that, they're like, yo, no way. There are homeless assassins. So check this out. No, conceptually, yeah. I like the idea. It's just for some reason, Lawrence Fishburne, as much as I like other Lawrence Fishburne movies, lately it just seems like he pops in to kind of not make things better. Like, you're I, I think of, uh, I, 
get mind impassages, I think of Predators. I think Predators is a great movie until Lawrence Fishburne steps in for 20 minutes. Like, let me ruin all of this before you get back to having fun again. And that's, he doesn't quite ruin this movie. He's not bad, necessarily. And it's, I mean, I get the novelty of seeing Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne back in a movie together again. Like, that's fun and idea. But it just, it doesn't do much for me besides set up what's happening in the third movie. There's a lot of characters that are, that can still return in the third movie, which has to happen given how this one ends. Like, that... I, I understand what I understand more of the mechanic of doing something like that rather than the necessity of needing it for this movie and being entertained by that. That's sure. it. Regardless, Besides, you're being a little a little hard on Fishburne. I I still thought he was engaging. I mean, I mean, if you think I engaging think a, is I him, I think it was just... a continuation of how the story, how the world progresses. But I felt as though from where we were coming from and then where it goes, it it just it seemed a little bit slower of pace than what I would have expected. Um, it wasn't anything that was terrible. I didn't think like I didn't start looking at my watch or whatever else. It didn't. But, dera- uh, I'm saying it didn't derail the movie sure. for me. It's just more like this is not a highlight for me. This is like Lawrence Fishburne's and he his the acting of him compared to others just it seems very broad. It seems very like he's he's yelling random things and it's like okay. I, well, I'm he was laughing and I, I, he starts laughing and then they cut to the scene where they open the door and he's still laughing. I was like, did he laugh the entire way down <laughs> yes, there? Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. There's a yeah. Exact. There's a couple. Yeah. There's it's it's almost sitcommy where like you know you have a scene where like something something happens and then presumably there's a long time between where they have to get to another place and they're talking about the same thing still. It's like what were you talking about on the way to this place? Uh, regardless, we have to wait until part three. Regardless, you can see yeah. this for me. Ever since Predators with Lawrence Fishburne, I just started calling that. That's when Larry Fishburne appears. Yeah. <laughs> so like we had Larry Fishburne and John Wick too, but Lawrence Fishburne was an MI MI four. Does that make sense? Okay, that yeah. does make sense. Yeah. Rega- regardless, it's, it's a, that's a small slight, but what I was saying before is that the first half of this movie, I really enjoy. I really enjoy getting that world build, like getting getting that set up, going to these various people and seeing how this, this world operates. And then, yes, you do get to the second half, which is just crazy action nonstop with all these a ridiculous amount of headshots, let alone just cool action and different, like the way John Wick dispatches foes using various weapons and what have you. It's all really well done, and I can certainly appreciate you know, clear, nicely edited action sequences that are also really engaging and fun, and you get the geography of all these locations and all that. And you have all these supporting characters that are great too, starting with Common, who I think is terrific in this movie. Like this, like, this, and I've I've generally liked Common in movies. Like I haven't been bothered by him at all, but like here he's really seemed to step it up for whatever reason. Like it seems like he he walked out of like Smoke and Aces, where he plays a very similar character, and came into this movie in that mode and just amped it up. And it, like, he's great in it. He and Wick have like three different brawls that are amazing. Um, they're incredibly well shot. And you know the the justification for his character makes a plenty of sense. Like why he's coming after Wick. Like I get it. I don't. It's almost not, it's almost Japanese Ronin style. It's less of him being an antagonist and more of him being another character in his own movie that like has his own objective. I wouldn't mind seeing the Cassian story. Like I mean it's it's really neat. Um, but yeah, getting all the so other. I like comment because it made Keanu Reeves look better. Well, as far as like what like well, presence, I'm just not a I'm not a big common fan, like right. in movies. Okay, or I think he was trying to do like the Keanu Reeves thing, and it just wasn't working out. I thought it was working out. Like I I enjoyed oh. what he was doing, <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy I enjoyed seeing all the other characters from the first film that didn't get shot in the face back. Like that was fun. Like so, like the, the six of them that didn't get shot. In the <laughs> yeah, the six of them that didn't get shot in the face. Yeah, those are those are those. Are, those are, I mean, I like seeing I like seeing Lance Reddick, and I like seeing Ian McShane and in, in, in the Continental. Like I I like that environment. I like how that world is set up. 
Do you I guys think just, it was the same dog from the first one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the new dog that he got? New yeah. dog, yeah. Yeah, but no, I think it just it works really well. But also, Reeves, again, is excellent here. Like, and it's really neat to see what the... Like, because there's, there's less story here. Like, there's more world than there is story in this movie versus the first one. But I, I like seeing him involved in this world and what he's trying to do and where he's at. And what this what both of these movies are essentially doing is denying him a chance to grieve for his dead wife, which is, like, a shame, but it's it's neat to see how his persona fits here, where he's this reluctant it, assassin. It's weird, it's like, in the John Wick world, that happened just, like, a week and a half ago. Like, yeah, it was, no, it's like, like it's a, a few days later when he, when he gets after the car. Like, it's, there's no time has passed, so it's just a continuation. That's why it's called Chapter 2. It's the next chapter of the book. Like, Capitolo I, I have a question, guys. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a theory why he never named the dog? I don't. It's only been, it's only been a couple days. <laughs> I, yeah, it's been a couple days, but I'm I'm all I was curious about that because they they pointedly bring that up like three times in the movie. Well, well I think that I mean that he names it. He's trying to grow attached to it. And he doesn't want to be attached to anything else anymore. Like, that was no, true. I think it's part. I think it's part of the overall John Wick arc, where as I just said, he hasn't had a chance to really grieve yet. Like he's still dealing with the the initial death of her. Like I mean, the first movie he's driving around on suicide missions in his car in the airport randomly just to, like, get out this anger. And, you know, that then he was pulled away from doing whatever that process was that he needed to do so he can get back at some asshole that shot his dog. And then, you know, a few days later, it's like, nope, you still can't go home and just sit down for a while. I bombed your house, and now you have to go help me. Like, he doesn't he hasn't had a time to do anything, let alone name his dog. Like, he hasn't had a time to think about anything. So that, that's what well, I think. Well, it's like, I, he did go home, and he tried to sit down. But yeah, the and, immediate, right and, and was immediately him. disturbed. Like that's yeah, yes. So I, yes, I do. I think I think the third movie, depending on how that goes, ideally would let manage to finish off that arc for him, where he's able to you know finally get a chance to himself, where he can really d- you know dig into what's going on in his life now. Sure. Yeah. And I, can, I have a question: Did you guys yeah. ever? Did you guys ever think of the name? His name is John Wick. It wasn't until watching the second movie where. There's some someone says something about him being actually maybe it's the woman uh, in the in the in the pool or sauna thing. But there's some reference to him kind of being like a ghost and disappearing. And I started thinking, oh, is he John Wick, meaning Wick like a candle? And is that what they're saying? This notion of like this kind of ethereal thing that disappears as an, is that it had never occurred to me. Is that did you guys think that? When there's well, this, I mean, the whole first movie is calling him the. Boogeyman, the Baba Yaga. Like, I mean, the boogeyman. They do say that, but, but and also his name is John Wick. I don't think the illusion really passes by many. I mean, it's a it's a tough guy action name, but also obviously yes, it's like a fuse. Big <laughs> 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 Scorpio. Yeah, I never thought. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. I was like, I didn't think of that before. Um, did you guys also notice that there's one point in the movie, like I think it's right before the big common scene, where I think he went around that scene. Where he might have already at that point killed over a hundred people. Like I was like, I, I I lost count. I was like, how many people has he killed? Like, and, yeah, uh, and again, it's, it's just pure enjoyment. But it was a lot. It's a huge body count. It is. Uh, it is a lot. He made sure that that sommelier gave him enough bullets to to do the yes. job. <laughs> yeah, I when he didn't him. have bullets, he had other things to use as well. He, yeah, he even had like yeah, his hands and knives and whatever else. Um, I also love that later on there's a scene where he returns to New York and they do cross-cutting on basically different assassins that are trying to kill him. And they kind of ch- play with time. I yeah, because they, they, they do that in the first movie, but not to the extent that they do that in this movie where they really give him – they give like there's like three different timelines going on of how he arrived out of situations. And it's, yeah, it's 
it very much ups the, c- cinematically it very much ups the game as far as what what the you know what the visual style established in the first one or what this right. style can establish in this one and i very much agree with aaron it's a really pretty movie like the colors are are i don't God, I don't remember the look of the first one as much, but I mean, like, it's very similar. I mean, there's like, you know, like, the, yeah, like the nightclub sequence, and like, there's a lot that of like, was, yeah, a great sequence. there's a lot of like neon and like in colors. I, I, I still, this one's more of a, I mean, you can look, I don't know, like a Batman versus Batman Returns, where they're they're similar, but Batman Returns is very gothic in this movie. Yes, given the given the Roman location, especially, there's much more of a gothic vibe going on, and and I'm saying goth, not goth, but gothic, like the you know the use of. But like catacombs as an action set piece and Sanctuary stuff like that. Sanctuary like, is what yeah. Aaron is talking about. So and it the, sounds you know, like the design of those hotels. It sounds like everyone here would definitely see Chapter Three if they make a Chapter Three. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I need to know. I need to know what happens in 59 minutes. Well, it's funny to me because, um, and this no spoilers, but it's funny because after I saw the first John Wick, and like I said, I did enjoy it. I didn't love it as much as everyone else, but I enjoyed it. My reaction wasn't to make a sequel. My reaction was I really like Keanu working with these. It's I think it's two guys, but really in this one it's just one guy. The guys, the people who he worked with on the Matrix, right? They were stunt guy. They were yes, one. There were stunt guys involved with the Matrix and other many other movies. Um, and yeah, they while well, they're both still involved in this one. Um, and I mean. The first one was said to be co-directed in the actual movie. It does just credit Chad Stahelski as the director. Um, this movie, again, he's the sole credited one. But I mean, the, what's his name? David Leach, I believe, is still in, he's still involved. He just he was all he's I just also doing other things. <laughs> but I guess my my reaction was I mean, and this is a whole nother conversation. But I remember Aaron does not like uh, the Heat, the movie with Sandra Bullock and um, Melissa McCarthy. I really enjoyed that movie. But when people talked about doing a sequel, I was like, well, I don't really need a sequel. I would just like to see these two actresses, these two comedians. Well, actually, Sandra Bullock's not really a comedian, but these two actresses in a movie together again. My reaction after John Wick was I was like, well, I don't really need to see John Wick as a character. I would just like to see more of Keanu working with these filmmakers. I'm like, that's what I want to see. However, having seen John Wick 2 and as I said how much I love it, I'm glad they didn't listen to me because like I. Yeah, because I mean, I think there's an, an interesting world that they kind of touch upon in the first film that's like let's go into that more this time around where so this movie has an identity i mean both it, of them have an identity but this one bother, it expands upon it oh yeah yeah um did it bother anyone and it didn't really bother me but it was something i noticed that because this is a secret world of assassins and i i could be wrong but there are so many crazy scenes of of action and shooting in public places I'm pretty sure no one gets killed by accident. There's no innocent. There's no civilians. There's no 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 one is because they're professionals. The and this rules, movie makes yeah. a very conscious effort to not involve civilians in harm and you know directly in harm's way. They're obviously people run around and stuff because they're like, oh my god, people are shooting. But I think it's a it's a mix of both. This is a very stylized world because as I said, no cops ever show up in this movie besides right. John's <laughs> best friend. I mean, so like, who knows that he's like a hitman. Yeah, and even like on the train when Common and Don John Wick are fight, like no one even they're just kind of like sitting and watching, although they yeah, know where but to go. I, but I, I wondered about that scene, and then I realized that you know they couldn't get off the train because that's what they do. Yeah, they just when yeah, the doors exactly. open, they just run away. And I was like, why is nobody getting off into under the car or but, getting out? But, but no, Pete, Peter, you're it. asking you're asking about the morality of this movie, right? Yes, is that what yeah. you're getting? I it doesn't bother me both because. Again, this is a stylized world, so I can buy into it. I mean, the same way that I can buy into, you know, giant robots exist in Transformers world or something like that. It doesn't, I mean, that's what the universe I'm supposed to accept, so I'm accepting it. And also, everybody fighting in this movie, 
they're trying to kill this person, so I'm not going to be worried about... I mean, the logic of this action movie suggests that John Wick is in the right of killing these people back. Like, that's what makes sense to me. And yes, there are no... As opposed to certain superhero movies, there's no random civilians being, you know, massively destroyed in any way. They're, they're making a very conscious effort to keep things on the down low and under... Which is why, I mean, I guess where, that, where the Harry Potter thing comes up, where it is a kind of secret society underneath right under your eyes that's going on here. And I yeah, basically, very... don't ever... Uh, you should give people change when they're asking for it on the street. They might just shoot you. Well, not, weird, not, right? No, 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 no. Because, no because they would shoot people that are, you know, assassins <laughs> coming after someone else, but not random people. If you know the secret code, yeah. Well, it's weird. I sort of see the Harry Potter connection. I mean, I guess we're talking late Harry Potter, because the first few Harry Potters are well, not even much human just world, at yeah. Hogwarts. I yeah. mean... But you're right. I think it like Order of the Phoenix or something. There's an attack on London and it starts to become much more like here's these things going. And then obviously Fantastic Beasts. It's like sure. all this stuff's yeah. happening. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting comparison. Um, do you guys think with the it looked like it made 30 million right this weekend? Yeah. Like, is that enough that I think word of mouth that we got a minus at cinema scores? So <laughs> that's a huge number. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge number. That's a huge opening week. So that's, that's well, it's so that's, weird. That's, that's thirteen million less than the domestic total of the first movie. Well, it's just weird because we're so used to huge numbers being a hundred million or two hundred million. So I'm like, ugh. For like, for Marvel, Peter, it's, it's an it's yeah. an R-rated action film on the weekend of two other big movies also coming out. That's a that's a great number for John Wick Chapter Two. I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it was three, well, right because Batman was number one, right, with fifty five, and then yeah. uh, no, it was uh, wasn't uh, no, I think Fifty Shades. Shades no, no, Lego Batman's, Batman's number, number one. one. Number yes, oh, Batman is number one. Then Fifty Shades Darker was like forty five, and then John Wick did like the thirty yeah point two or something like that. Yeah, glad to hear it. You're but you're saying Aaron law of law of like multipliers and how things work with box office. It for sure is going to surpass. The forty-three of the original domestic because well, it made it made what seventy percent of the first movie's gross in its first three days. So yeah, it's gonna surpass the first. Movie's <laughs> Do you think it can make a hundred, or you think it's gonna be like a seventy million? I think it can make. I mean, worldwide, it can certainly go over a hundred. I mean, it's but it's also you know it's yeah, very well liked. It has it has Reeves. Yeah. It has staying power. It has the word of mouth. It has everything it needs to be a you know a big sequel that over. Like, it has and you know like how's the out now with Aaron and Abe's bump. Yeah, that's yes. exactly. The out now bump is oh. what I get it to. I mean, that's getting, that's like a fifteen that's fifteen million dollars guaranteed. Do we have anything else to say? But we got to move on to our next well, review. Do we have anything else to say about John Wick? About the praise that we're giving John Wick too. And anyway, so wait, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Sure. So what I'm hearing from this conversation is I need to continue the key out down to a hundred million for John Wick two. <laughs> Possibly, we'll give you. A, we'll write a memo and we'll send it via their courier service. Their accounts payable. We do expect like a five percent gross check. Because of how much promotion I've done for this film, that's Let's a big a percentage, I would say. Well, I've been negotiate that with your agent. But we'll well, they talk made five percent in gross this opening weekend and their first opening weekend, so okay. You know, <laughs> I deserve mine. <laughs> that is true. You got to get yours. Anyhow, would we all, John so we're, two, we'd also go see this in theaters. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to our next review for the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Must be great to be Batman. Batman, we love you! Thank you. I'm blushing super hard under the mask. Batman! Pray God. Thanks, Batman! I can only imagine he's going home right now to party the night away, surrounded by friends and lady activewear models. Hey, computer. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. 
Master Bruce. Your greatest fear is... Snakes? No. Clouds? No. It's being a part of a family again. No, now it's snake clouds because you put that idea in my head. Sir, you need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising the young orphan you adopted. Whee! I thought I was being sarcastic. That should have been some of the trailer for the Lego Batman movie. Taking a cue from the Lego movie, this spinoff takes the Will Arnett-voiced Batman character and gives him his own film. The plot is a mix of Joker schemes and Dark Knight introspection as Batman deals with a fiend who calls him his greatest nemesis while also making managing his newly adopted son. Both of these plots find Batman dealing with his status as a lone crusader with friend and family issues. It challenges his persona, which is a hyper-masculine, ego-driven, and kind of dickish figure. Alan, what do you think of the Lego Batman movie? I thought it was really fun. Um, just so the viewers know, or the listeners, I'm sorry. Uh, I did a double feature, and I ended up watching Batman, Lego Batman at 10.50 a.m. 3D in a theater filled with children. And then I went to see John Wick 2 right after that. Um, so it was a great appetizer for the main course of John Wick 2. Uh, this one was fun. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, it's going to be like the Lego movie, but with Batman stuff. And that's exactly what I got. Uh, the opening song was wonderful. Uh, Batman did while he beats up some of the rogues. I thought it was really fun. It has, I think, I think it, there was a lot of colors going on. So I was like, for a minute, I was like, hold on, I'm an old man. I gotta, I gotta get ready for this. And it was too <laughs> early to have my coffee yet. I was like, guys, hold up. But no, there's a lot of good stuff. I think the voice cast is probably one of the best voice casts assembled for anything because it is stacked. And I don't think that half of them had as much to do as I wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's stacked with both people that fit and like random references to other things that make yes. it fit for this world. You know? It's fa- like I just because like, I I couldn't figure I I got like maybe eighty percent of it because I really did no research for this movie. I just literally Lego Batman. Aaron told me to go watch it. This is what this is what I'm doing on my Saturday morning. So it was it was fun. There was a lot of little references to a bunch of Batman stuff that I got, but I don't know how many other people are gonna get. But then there's broad general pop culture references which I thought were really fun. It's not a movie uh, – I would probably go see it again. I don't think it's as good as Lego Movie because I think Lego Movie was such a surprise and I didn't really know what to expect. This one, I kind of had a decent idea of what I was going in for, but I thought it was really fun. I didn't – I can't really go off for 20 minutes like I did for John Wick 2, but I don't know. I think it's a real fun family movie that kind of is almost this year's Deadpool that's PG that you can poke and satire other superhero films without – necessarily being vulgar so i think it like kind of hits that other niche so i think families can bring their kids to this and feel comfortable and safe and still have a good time at the movie and laugh and all the other fun stuff and then go buy a whole bunch of lego sets when you're done <laughs> that's what's also, gonna happen i walked into amc and they gave me a little lego set and i was oh. damn it you got that get stubs member dog they, they kept yeah no they kept asking for this <laughs> like nope and i was like can i still have an anyway and they said no Abe. When someone asks you if you're a Stubbs member, you, you always say yes. You just say yes to it? They don't, they yeah. Like they didn't look at my card, bro. They just All right. Dang it. What, what is it? What'd you get? I still don't know. It's like Batman. I'll send a picture oh, of it. Oh, you did get Batman. All right. I got Batman and then like a little like thing, like a little roly. I don't know what it's called. I might it's, have to okay. just go and get Trash. my pass validated and tell them I'm also a Stubbs member. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, Peter, I know you didn't see the Lego Batman movie, so I'm going to move on to Abe. Abe, what do you think of the movie? But, Peter, feel free to throw some questions our way. Everything that Alan said I agree with. I think that it was also a really fun movie. There's a lot of lights and sounds and colors. And, uh, I was also probably a little bit more impressed by the Lego movie because of where it came from and how uh, I hadn't really seen anything like that. And that's kind of not really the direction that I was thinking that they were going to go with a Lego movie. 
and I was more pleasantly surprised than not. Uh, the Lego Batman movie is also really good uh, visually. I thought there was some really good cinematography in it for an animated movie, and especially uh, the thing that stood out the most was um, well, the thing that first visually cued me was there's a chase sequence with cars and the Batmobile in, in the first 20 minutes. And there's like this really nice overhead shot. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really good looking. You guys did a good job thinking about how to, how to frame this, uh, this car chase here. I think it's a lot of, uh, a lot of humor for adults that you guys are going to love. Um, but it's also works well as a ch- children's movie because it's, uh, it's just a lot of lights, killer action and Batman in there. Uh, as far as Batman movies go, I think this is actually one of the better Batman movies uh, because it does deal with the concept of, well, you know, you are a, an orphan and a lonely guy who usually only finds uh, only finds like criminals and uh, bad guys to really keep you occupied. But uh, you probably should expand more upon that. And you, you kind of need to deal with some of these things that you have been kind of burying for a long time, which is kind of a, a neat thing to see in an animated movie and the way that it comes around with uh, Michael Sarah coming in as Robin was like, Oh, well this is a, this is a cool way to go about it. But, um, on the whole, again, it's, it's fun. It's not really anything that was all that surprising because we have seen the Lego movie before, but, uh, much like what Alan had said, there's a lot of this voice cast is tremendous. And I would have loved to see just, uh, more of these, uh, these voice actors, actors, actresses, comedians, talk show hosts, whatever else, just to uh, uh, continue with um, uh, their Batman world. But, you know, it's good. I, I really enjoyed the Lego Batman movie as well. I am a huge fan of the Lego movie, and I think it's a, it's a mix of, you know, the kind of irreverence and humor that takes place throughout and creativity, obviously, mixed with what I thought were some pretty interesting thematic devices that they use, especially kind of later on. What I like about the Lego Batman movie is that instead of kind of like adding on a message at the end, which isn't necessarily what the Lego movie does, but, you know, the kind of, develops over time this movie's like we're gonna lay out up front what batman's dealing with by giving you this great joker persona played by zach galifianakis who i think is a terrific joker yeah like there, it he, he right away in the opening act of this movie he spells out this kind of codependency issue that batman has with him which i thought was fascinating uh, it's something that the comics deal with more so than what i've seen in the films as far as batman and the joker's kind of endless face-off against each other mainly because you only you know, have so many times where Jap- Bat- Batman and the Joker faced off in movies, and it doesn't have too much, there's not as much history behind it as there is in the comics, but, I mean, in addition to everything else I'm going to talk about, Galifianakis is great as the Joker. I- I'm putting that out there right now. I think he made a, a, a great Joker performance in one movie. If you were, if you remember him as um, Humpty Dumpty in Puss in Boots? I've never seen Puss in Boots. Oh, you didn't see Puss in Boots. Okay. That's, all right. Well, he was great in that movie. He was a, he was the antagonist of that movie as Humpty Dumpty, and he he injected a lot of pathos there that I was surprised by for you know a Puss in Boots movie, which is part of why that movie worked so well as it did. Yeah. It's better than two out of four Shrek movies. Um, but <laughs> here he does the same thing, which makes me think Galifianakis has a great career as a voice actor if he can keep pulling this kind of thing off because they keep giving him material that he turns into gold because he's really funny as the Joker, but also makes him somewhat sympathetic in a weird way, even though he's, you know, clearly a vicious evil villain. <laughs> like, he still, like, right. does his thing. And it melds well with Will Arnett's Batman, who gets put to task here, where in the Lego movie, he's a supporting character and gets to, you know, be that the kind of the darkest, grittiest version of Batman, which is made all the more hilarious because it's a Lego iteration of him in a supporting role. Here, he's front and center, and so you get to see all of that attitude put up front, but they populate that world with all these other Batman references and characters and things, 
that don't make that don't make him abrasive. Somehow Arnett's voicing of him, it's like it's you know it's dickish, but at the same time it's very enjoyable to to kind of see how it plays out in a whole world. And I think this movie does a great job of capitalizing off of that, and it does a good job of making the story work, which is kind of a it it takes a lot of things of Batman and Robin of all things and kind of puts that into this movie where that movie. Despite everything else going on, there is a story involving Alfred possibly dying and Batman having to become the kind of father figure for Robin and uh, Batgirl. This movie does something similar. It doesn't kill, right, Bat- right. kill Alfred off because Alfred's fine and he's voiced by Ray Fiennes, who's also great in this movie. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's Ray Fiennes of all things. Um, but but it it makes Batman you know be you know it questions his capabilities as being this lone is this lone crusader um, who has no family life and only deals with villains like you were saying, Abe. But it, I think it's very, you know, for the Lego Batman movie, which has no real job except to entertain children, it does a good job of being much deeper than that. Not necessarily as deep as the Lego movie, which I think is a better film overall, but mm-hmm. certainly enough to make me more engaged on a level beyond just laughs and colors. And that said, there are plenty of laughs and colors in this movie. There's a lot of jokes and a lot of, like, it's a lot of, like, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, but a whole lot of it sticks for sure. And it's a very good-looking movie. Like, it does a great job of being this bringing this Lego world to life that not only has tons of Batman references, but also plays with Warner Brothers IP in general. There's right. a lot, I mean, I'm not going to go into that, but yeah. there's a lot of other Warner Brothers properties that are coming to play, which I was quite surprised by. Uh, one of the parts I also liked about it is that they, they explore Batman's road gallery a little more, and they make jokes about how, like, Killer Croc, he's like, oh, I finally did something. It's like, it's true. Because as much as, you know, um, Suicide Squad might have had a whole bunch of people from the DC universe and Batman showing up and whatever else, it's like, how much do those people actually do anything? And I'm, I'm glad that they kind of skewered that a little bit in, in the, this Lego Batman this movie. Is, yeah, I like how Warner Brothers is jabbing their own movie, where they even have a line where, Bat, where Batman's is like, what, vi- supervillains taking on supervillains? That's stupid. Like, it just right. like, calls out the, the very concept of that to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they even they even take on the whole entire concept of, like, the, the villain wanting to be captured, right? Because uh, Zach Galavanakis is like, why don't you just take me in? And then he's like, uh, I forget what he does. He like do to do so, or he hums. And it's like, why are you humming like that? Oh, yeah, like like Alan, like what you said. It, it very much it plays. It's uh, very similar to like something like Deadpool, which is very much taking on the tropes of other super movies. Right. It, it plays around with that a lot, while still being its own entry in a superhero universe. Yeah, but it's very fun. It's very uh, it's very bright and uh, again again the thematic things were they they don't go unnoticed and they don't stop short. So, for instance, like you might think that, oh, OK, well, they talked about it and now we'll see how it develops with Michael Sarah and Will Arnett. Well, no, there's actually a little bit more. There's actually some Justice, Justice League stuff where it's like, oh, wow, Batman really is a loner. And these people kind of don't really like him because he always brings it down. Now, so, I like how it connects it to the Lego movie where you still have Channing Tatum as Superman. You still have Jonah Hill as Green Lantern. Like it's, it's like it keeps all that in mind. Again, it's fun for adults because you're going to get a lot of the jokes. And I think it's a, it's great for everybody all around. So, Peter. She yeah, I really, it. I mean, you guys really liked it. I, I just, I think my thing was, I wasn't a big uh, Lego movie guy, but yeah, it's uh, just it sound, it. I'm, I'm, what Aaron's saying about the Zach Galifianakis character versus Joker, that does sound, and I didn't realize he had a son in this, so I was like, oh, this all sounds pretty interesting. Well, it's, it's Robin. Like, it's not he doesn't a, really it's, have a son, it's he just ad- more he, like. He, he kind of accidentally adopts Robin, right. <laughs> which is funny. Well, wait, it is his, wait, it's his biological son? No, 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 no. No, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's he, he, he adopts. Dick Grayson. In, in a like moment he, of in a moment of like euphoria, Batman just says yes to a lot of questions. He's just and, distracted, and so, he keeps saying yes to, to Robin yeah. as he's asking him all these. Also, Michael Sarah's great in this movie too. Michael Sarah's really, very funny in this movie. He's really. Do they funny. do anything where 
um, Will Arnett has to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah, they do, and he doesn't change his voice. So do they change? Do they show his little the little Lego like the little? I guess the little cap comes off or whatever. Is, yeah. Yes, it, it is. A, it is a Batman movie where they <laughs> explore the fact that he is Batman and Bruce Wayne. Like it, it's it it makes sense in in this world. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I, yeah, I clearly got to see it. So all right, I will. I I like your. It's funny because even though I don't love Deadpool, I think I'm getting what you're saying about the Deadpool connection. Because well, you know, you know, I don't love it either. But I certainly the what it's going for, I admire. I just wish it did that better. But still. Yeah. Also, Peter, if you've learned anything from this podcast, say that you're a Stubbs Rewards member so that you can get the Lego, the yes, Lego apparently, uh, yeah. thing that, that Alan has. Oh, also. Not going to be uh, as you, as me. You, you <laughs> yeah. Alan, you mentioned the opening like um, song that Batman wrote himself so he could fight other bad guys. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the score of this movie in general is really good, too. I think, I mean, for, you know, competing with Danny Glo- Danny Glover. Remember Danny Glover, composer? Uh, <laughs> me with Danny, Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer I think yeah. um, Lauren Balfour does an amazing job at like, replicating a, a solid Batman superhero score. I, I was really like, it works with the action scenes that are presented. And there are a lot of, you know, for being a Lego animated movie, there's a lot of cool action in this movie. There is. Yeah, it, it goes all throughout. Like It's all throughout the movie. From beginning to end, there's a lot of cool action sequences, even if it's not even with a lot of people. So I was thinking about like what this movie was reminding me of, and it just clicked. It reminds me of Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Interesting. Well, yeah, it's a very clever homage. Yeah, and then you kind of just think this guy's super, super, like he's a decent person, but he's super, super, super flated. Yeah, right. Thinks he's doing good for everybody, and then it's like the same kind of, oh, man, yeah, if you like Never Stop, Never Stopping, go watch Lego Batman. That's That's a good double feature. Yeah. And then if you really want to listen to more Ellie Kemper, just go watch the Unbreakable Kim, or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Oh, and Mariah Carey was in this, and that was real weird. I had no idea until I watched the uh, the credit sequence, and I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't remember her doing anything substantial for me to to kind of really recognize that it's her. But she's like, Hey, I'm the mayor. I'm like, Oh, did you lose a bet? Why are you in this? <laughs> Nick Cannon couldn't do it, so she did it. Anyway, that's a lot of Mariah Carey talk. Other <laughs> thoughts on the Lego Batman movie? Go see it. I think it's fun, and I definitely uh, think that it, you should watch it. You should watch Baskets also after you watch Zach Galifianakis give his Joker performance. <laughs> so we all recommend Baskets. That's the, uh, that's <laughs> Does everybody here recommend Baskets? I don't know. I, you and I, I do. I like Baskets quite a bit. I like Baskets. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it, it's it's certainly much different than the Lego Batman movie. It is, but yes. if you want to see Zach, sad, sad clown Zach Galifianakis, go see Baskets. Yes, yeah, so the Lego Batman movie is certainly worth seeing in theaters. Worth seeing in theaters, yeah. Okay, let's move on now. We got to keep moving. It's a lot yeah. of show. Let's get to our sponsor real quick. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? Audible content includes more than 180,000 books for your iPhone, Android, any kind of MP3 device. And we're offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast, choose a book to download for free, and check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep that book that you download for free for free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com. Slash out podcast. Let's move on now. Let's get to out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash out now podcast. We asked a number of questions that you guys were able to answer, and then you asked us some questions that we'll be able to answer. So let's go into this, and you guys feel free to uh, join in with your answers on these ones. Um, first I, was, question, I was going to whether you told me to or not. So. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's no, what I, I love like about Alan. <laughs> I like to open the floodgates and just see what happens. Um, first question here Favorite Keanu Reeves film? 
Placement's rights done. You know what? Actually, and... Okay. We get to our listeners first, then you guys can jump. Okay. okay. <laughs> Nippon writes, The Matrix, honestly, John Wick. There hasn't been an action shoot-up movie that good in a long time, to which I then mentioned The Raid, and he like he, he responded, I haven't seen The Raid. And then he wrote, and then I wrote Shake's Head. Um, <laughs> that applies because this next one says, from Chris, Bram Stoker's Dracula, yep, The Raid rocks, and Dread, that machine gun scene used up a lot of bullets became a tangent in that kind of his whole yeah, he like he lost his he lost his own focus and then kept going <laughs> uh philip writes a walk in the clouds yeah i said it uh susan writes speed jason writes constantine and john wick and jay friend of the show writes a scanner darkly Ooh, a scanner darkly might be my favorite john hey, darkly is, yeah it's really good too. that might be my favorite reeves performance now that <laughs> i think about it you know I, that'd be up there that might be top three <laughs> top three got um, it you know what i totally forgot to say earlier and I love it, and it would somewhat go to, to what Aaron said about Reeves getting better. And Although I actually don't know what you think of this movie. I think he's terrific in Knock Knock. I never saw Knock Knock. I didn't oh, see it, but it's on streaming services right now. How did you not see Knock Knock? I saw The Green Inferno. I was like, that's enough Eli Roth for one year. No, no, it's so much. <laughs> I mean, I was okay with I mean, like, I, I go back and forth The Green Inferno, but no, no, no. I, I've, heard ba- I've heard back and forth on what you're saying. Like, no, yeah, like, Knock Knock really... And don't like yeah, you really should see it. I mean, it's a really tight, you know, it's a 90 minute, you know, all in one. Oh, you, but he's really, uh, yeah. I, so I would say that's a, that's another kind of okay. missed Reeves performance. That's really good. Oh, I'll check it out. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Alan, did you have anything uh, to add to your favorite Keanu Reeves film? The replacements. I mean, the replacements. Instagram, you know how I feel about Keanu. I love the replacements. Again, we've talked about it all the time. Alan, yeah. I can't speak. Both Alan and Aaron, I just, Confused in my head for a quick second, then it just messes me up. But uh, Aaron and I speak about that movie whenever we can. So that's how much we like it. Do we? Does the replacements come up that often? It's come up quite a bit. I mean, it came up like last week. It's You're talking about I, the replacement killers, right? It's, You're talking about, like, well, the replacement killers is not a John or not, oh. not a Keanu movie. Uh, Chow Yun Fat. That's Chow Yun Fat and uh, Anton Fuqua. Was it awesome. Anton Fuqua? Hmm. Is his first movie? Oh. Anyway. All right, moving on. Uh, favorite Batman movie. Philip has Batman Begins, my favorite origin story, along with the first Avenger. Uh, Jason has all of that except for uh, all of them except for Batman and Robin. And I also like Batman versus Superman, the Ultimate Edition, not the one that was in theaters. Jay writes the Lego Batman movie by a long way. Then the Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Returns, Batman the movie, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Forever, Batman, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and lastly Batman and Robin. So I got the whole ranking. There. He did. He did all of them. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Adam writes the Dark Knight, and lastly, Chris writes the Dark Knight. Uh, I mean, I'll just say the Dark Knight. And keep okay. Um, Dark Knight. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got to be the. It, yeah, it's a. I gotta say, I really like Batman Returns, but Dark Knight. I do too. <laughs> Big fan of Mask of the Phantasm. Mask of the Phantasm, also. Well, that's really good too. Yeah, that is really good. All right. Next up, favorite Keanu Reeves-based action sequence. Philip writes his first extended fight in John Wick. Uh, Jay writes the entirety of the lake house. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Jay. Uh, Keanu Reeves has a good amount of action sequences that to, to, to go through, actually, to say the best one. Oh, um, the point break uh, bank robbery where he's chasing the presidents. I mean, that that might yeah, that was gonna that was kind of my like yeah, that that's chase, pretty great. That foot chase is great. My break is a good movie. But uh, no, I'm not. I never said no, point break is a bad movie. I just think Keanu, it's not Keanu Reeves' highlight as an actor. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's not. There's a reason they why they do Point Break Live, where they have a random audience member read Keanu Reeves' lines in that movie. 
I there's a number of Matrix ones that there are. Like the, that's kind of the first thing that comes I mean, to the mind. The whole lobby shootouts obviously has you know has its classicness to it, but there's a I mean the Matrix Reloaded has that that chateau fight where he's like all over the like there's two staircases and the other like guys are fighting with him and stuff. Like there's the music is great in that and everything. Yeah, I mean, even when he's learning fight, when he's learning kung fu with with a yeah, that Morpheus fight, that's, that's the great scenes too. Yeah, yeah. the the Agent Smith fight. In yeah, the any, subway, the any, subway. Any Western three of fight. those movies I really like. It's <laughs> a lot of them in the Matrix that come to mind. All right, uh, favorite Batman based action sequence. Uh, Jay writes the introduction of the Bat Pod from the Tumblr. Mm. Yeah. Um, Chris writes either Batman versus Joker, Surf Off, or Batman versus Shark. <laughs> he's referencing a lot of that Adam West stuff. Yep. Uh, Jason writes the end of Batman the movie, um, and Philip writes rooftop scene with Anne Hathaway from The Dark Knight Rises. It's when they're just like taking down fools, and Bane walks out holding his vest and like, well, I'm Bane, I'm back to fight. <laughs> Does Batman have to be involved, or is it a action sequence in a Batman movie? Well, what are you thinking of? I love the opening sequence of Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna say when Robin takes on those thugs in Batman Forever. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one, too. Uh, no, yeah, I just, no, it's like the way it built Bane in that first scene in Dark Knight Rises. That is true, think. yeah, with the, with the guy from but, uh, Game of Thrones. My favorite, my favorite Batman center. With Carcetti from The Wire? Carcetti, yeah, Mayor Carcetti. Yeah. yeah. No, but my favorite Batman sequence is when he fights all of the Penguins goons in Dark Knight Returns. Like, when he actually kills a dude. You mean Batman Returns? Batman Returns, yes, shit. I was like, Dark Knight Returns? Like, that was, like, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Like, like, the, the the Dark Knight? I'm trying to like, make sure... <laughs> Yeah, that whole car chase in the Dark Knight that leads to the Bat Pod arriving, I, I was floored by that, seeing that in IMAX for the first time. That was pretty incredible to me. It wasn't bad. Yeah. I still like... Because well, uh, that, that part, yeah. like, that that part I, I didn't realize where... I was like, where's this Bat Pod come And then it just, like, it just clicked in my mind, so it's like, oh, of course, it comes from the Tumblr. That makes so much sense. Makes sense. It was just this guy's perfect. thought of everything. He's a genius like, detective. And that truck flips over, and then, like, it just, like, how is he going to turn around? He just goes up the wall, spins, and comes back. It's like, that's amazing. That was probably, like, that. Like, the, the goofiest part, but I went with it. Wait, is it good? That, it, it makes sense to what that thing's capable of doing. That's yeah, I, I understand, it. but it's... Anyway. Uh, next question we asked everybody, what cinematic assassins would you want to see in a duel? Uh, Adam writes, Neil versus the Bride. This stretch from the term assassin, but who wouldn't want to see that? Jay writes, uh, Anton Chigurh versus Boba Fett. More of a bounty hunter, but close enough. Uh, April has still John Wick and the Equalizer for me. Jordan has John Wick versus Brainwash Colin Firth from Kingsman. That's a good one. I yep. like that. Uh, Jason, a different Jason, has uh, Jason Bourne versus John Wick, because why not? And lastly, Philip has Oren Ishii versus Elektra in the snow, of course. That'd be, that's a pretty good one, too. Assassins taking on each other. Well, I mean, yeah, I can't put Neo's not an assassin for one thing, and plus he's like, a, you know, he's godlike in terms of like all the powers. He can see like, you in, it's not really fair. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> I like that John Wick versus Brainwash Colin Firth. That's a good one. That'd be that'd be that'd be neat to see. Yeah, wouldn't be bad. Oh, I didn't all hear right. the question. What was the question? Uh, what cinematic assassins would you want to see against each other? John Wick and Michael Myers. <laughs> There you go. I would, the boogeyman, the Baba I Yaga mean, versus the boogeyman. Yeah, the boogeyman versus the boogeyman. I mean, like you keep on trying to shoot Michael Myers down, and he keeps on getting it out. I don't understand. He must oh, be I have first. A for the for the for the panel as soon as as soon as we get through this. Okay, let's get to this last question first. Favorite cinematic gunfight. Joe writes Indiana Jones versus Sword Guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Chris writes Heat or Django Unchained. Oh, down. 
Philip writes the third act of Hot Fuzz. Uh, Jason writes the end fight of G.I. Joe retaliation between The Rock and Firefly. I have no rec- We've seen this movie and talked about it on this podcast. I have no recollection <laughs> I don't remember. That is. <laughs> I, I would add anything in Equilibrium. Yep. Oh, Equilibrium, yeah. Uh, I think Hard Boiled or, or Hard- The Killer. Yes, John yeah, Lee. a lot of John Woo movies. What can I say? Um, I, as you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, The Way of the Gun, Abe, so I really like that end gun fight in the, with The Way of the Gun. That one is always, like, very real to me. <laughs> it is. It's real and frantic and, like, a lot of, like... like yeah, because, like, James Gunn is, like, a six-shooter. It's, like, he runs out of bullets and he's got to reload. Well, it's just, like, a bunch of old men coming after Benicio Del Toro and Ryan Villapi, and they're, like, just all struggling for their lives, essentially, trying to get to the money. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, Tombstone? Right at the Tombstone end. Tombstone was very good, too. I'll be your Huckleberry. We'll tell him that hell's coming. <laughs> Peter, do you have a favorite cinematic gunfight? I do love the uh, the kitchen scene in Hard Boiled. It's a kitchen scene, right? Uh, the first scene? Uh, it's a the, bit, yeah. restaurant? It's like a bar. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a yeah, lot of things. Yeah. It ends yeah. with him shooting, and then you just see the blood splatter on his face or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's, he recovered in flower at that point. That that movie opens and closes brilliantly, because that yeah. the ending is the hospital. Well, a lot, which is, yeah, a whole did, bunch of John Woo movies with Chayun Fat are terrific. Oh yeah, I mean that goes without saying. But yeah, Hard Boiled is like is like his opus involving like everything's led to that as far as Chow Young Fat and him combine, combine, combining talents. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. I agree. And that whole that whole movie is like a precursor to Infernal Affairs, which later became The Departed. Like it, in, exactly, in terms of what yeah. it's in terms of what it's doing, you know. Which later then became was the Matt Damon movie. That's what I said. I said Infernal Affairs to The Departed. Uh, to The Departed. Okay. Yeah. The Departed. Departed. <laughs> I didn't say it that way. That's why you didn't understand. Ah, uh, yes, thanks. Alan, All right. Do you have a question? So, for the next sequel to John Wick, what city would you like to see him go to? Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Uh, let's see, uh, Tallahassee. <laughs> well, imagine either Las Vegas or like Mexico City. Las Vegas would be good for the colors. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'd like to see a city that's not generally illuminated by so much like colors to be illuminated by sudden colors because it's what a John about, Wick version. What about, what about, like, like Rapid City. That? Like Rapid City, yeah, Rapid City. <laughs> well, Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Isn't, isn't Miami pretty neon at night, at least in movies? Yes, it is. So yeah. that would be a good one, good setting. Well, no, I'm, what I'm saying is I'd like to see a city that's not generally known for, you know, its, you know, its, it's kind of visual cityscape right. being illuminated because of what so John Wick that, filmmaking is. That's why you're not kidding when you're saying Cincinnati. All right, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I like it. Though, to, I like it. You know, I mean, yeah. These, yeah. these. That's the first thing I thought of was like St. Louis, Missouri, for whatever reason. So, uh, but no, in terms it's of cities for John Wick, are. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, now we'll move into a question that somebody asks for everybody here on the panel. Jason asks it right here today. What Lego movie would you want to see in the Lego Cinematic Universe? I would want to see a Lego Superman or a Lego Harry Potter movie, but that's just me. So that builds off of our previous question, obviously. Yeah, it does. And I think just Jason moved move to movies in general. Question similar to this in the past. Uh, and we're, we're a little bit more blank about that one, I think, when we first answered it. But, um, yeah, uh, open to you guys. Um, that little laugh tells me that you had something that first came to the top of mind. Well, I just try, like, I just thought of, like, a Lego drama. I'm trying to think of what movie I'd apply to that. But, like, you know, just... King's Beach. Yeah, Lego <laughs> King's Beach. Yeah, just, just, just apply the, the kind of... Or, like, a Sorkin script applied to Lego characters or something like that. <laughs> like, A Few Good Men is Lego. That'd be that'd be fun. I'd watch the heck out of that. You see, you see these characters emoting through Lego Social Network. Lego Social Network. Yeah. That would be really funny too. Lego Social Network. Yeah, that could be fun. I'm gonna Google that after we get off this this conversation. I'm just gonna start watching all these like. I'm sure there's some fan trailer of Lego exactly. Social Network. Wait, wait, wait. Lego Kids. 
Like, okay. <laughs> oh, it's getting weird. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, dramas would be. Oh, well, you know, I think Lego Harry Potter could happen because it's the same studio. Yeah, that seems yeah. that seems like yeah, a, seems a like ability. Uh, once they're once they're done with Fantastic Beast movies, they can move on to Lego versions. They're itching yeah. about it. So anyway. All right. That was out of feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on now. Let's get to uh, what what uh, what time is it? Aaron, I think it might be time for a fun little game here. Was that it this week? Oh. Had a little had a little error. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it seemed a little bit shorter. It was almost like as if John Wick came through the door and pulled her ready to get down. Uh, I've got a game for you guys this week. Yeah, what it's is it? It's called Insert Batman Trivia Here. And uh, it's a series of Batman, question, Batman cinematic world questions that uh, start off from easy and they'll go to a little bit harder. And uh, please buzz in with your name if you know the answer, and I will give you a choice to or a chance to uh, see if you have the right answer. You guys ready? Oh, okay. Right? Okay. How many actors have played Harvey Dent slash Two-Face for a live-action movie? Aaron. Aaron? Two. And who are, uh, you're wrong, but uh, who are those two? Tommy Lee Jones and Billy D. Williams. Okay. Oh, three. Yeah, there you go. So. There you go. Yeah, who's that? Is that <laughs> Alan? Yeah. Alan? It's going to be three. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. It's Aaron Eckhart, Billy D. Williams, and Tommy Lee Jones. That's right. Sorry about that one, Aaron. No, it's all right. Mine was too fast. Anyway, the next one here. Can you name the second and third incarnations of Robin? Who is the, the young lad that plays Robin in the comic books? Yeah. Comic books? Yeah. Alan. What? Alan. Yeah, it's going to be two. It's going to be um, the Dick, Dick Grayson and Jason Todd. Second and third iteration. Oh, second and third? Aaron. I didn't hear that. Aaron so it's going to be Jason Todd and, oh. Yeah. Tim Drake. That's correct. I'll give you two that one that one time. I mean, you messed up the first time. Fine, <laughs> yeah. I'll point with him. It's fine. All right. Abe, up front you said this was a cinematic Batman game. Just point that out to you, but okay. <laughs> Batman trivia. Yeah, sure. All right. Batgirl has only appeared in one other big screen Batman adaptation. Can you name yeah. it? Alan. Alan. Batman and Robin. That's right. Uh, next one here. Joel Schumacher was signed to make a third Batman movie. What would the title have been? Aaron. Aaron. Oh, was it Batman Intimidation Game? That is incorrect. Okay. Well, Alan or Peter? I did not know this. Now I'm I'm waiting with uh, baited breath. Something. Oh, like what is it called? Alan? Uh, a Batman and a Time to Kill. <laughs> that's oh, I know what it is. Wait, I know what it is. Okay, Aaron, let's let's hear it. Batman Triumphant. That's correct. There it is. All right, here. Now next one here yeah. is multiple choice. Uh, so I'll go through each one of you guys. How many Academy Awards has the Batman franchise won? Uh, hmm. The multiple choices for A is one, B is two, C is three, four is D, and E is five. What, what was D? Four. Four Academy Awards. So it's basically one, two, three, four, or five. So A, B, C, or D. Aaron. Aaron. Five. Five? Okay. Uh, Alan? Uh, I'm going to go with three. Okay. And Peter? One. It's Alan, you're correct. It? It's three. And those Academy Awards are uh, Best Production Design for Batman, 89. Uh, Dark Knight had Best Supporting Actor and Best Sound Editing. Mm-hmm. I thought Dark Knight won three. Okay. I did not. And here we go here. Uh, Benjamin Button <laughs> winning all those awards over Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It won all the technical awards that weren't Batman. It was all Benjamin Button. 
Uh, another Academy Award related question here. Uh, how many big or which big screen Batman movies have not received an Academy Award nomination? Aaron. Aaron. No nomination. Is that what you asked? Yeah. Which, which Batman movies have not received an Academy Award nomination? Oh, okay. I will say Batman Returns and Batman and Robin. Uh, anybody else with the steal? Uh, I want to say Batman and Robin for Batman Forever. Forever got a couple. And Batman Mask of the Phantasm? Mm-mm. Well, excluding that's not, that, excluding, he's not counting uh, that one. Oh, yeah, Cart- no. Cinematic Universe, guys. <laughs> Peter, did you have a guess? You guys are like, ha- you and Alan are half right. Well, because I know Begins got a cinematography nomination. I know I'll, Dark Knight go got through those, yeah. But I it, mean, I, I would think the Schumacher ones wouldn't, but I would think the Burton ones would. So I would think Forever and Robin. But I don't know. Forever won, I think, like visual effects. So none of you guys got it, but it was Batman, Robin, and Dark Knight Rises. They didn't get like a sound editing though. They didn't get anything. So Batman Batman and Returns both got it. Forever got three nominations for cinematography, sound, and sound effects. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Batman Robin got nothing. Batman began cinematography. Dark Knight got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, And and then Dark Knight Rises didn't get anything. Interesting. I'll get that one. And uh, just for funsies, uh, in terms of Batman movies, including Phantasm, which movie has made the most? Uh, U.S. domestic box office. Alan, for, Alan. Do- for just domestic? Alan. This is open for everybody. He's, no. Okay, so it's going to be Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Dark Knight. Okay. All right. And which made the least? Mm, made the least? Batman Master of the Phantasm. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, six million. What we're counting. You, you got to set these rules up better. Like one second it doesn't count, another second it does count. <laughs> anyway, Alan was clearly a runaway in that in that game there with uh, four correct. So there you go, Alan. You know your stuff. I do. It's weird. It's weird. I'm not just a pretty face, guys. <laughs> All right. All right. That was games. Let's move on now. Let's let's run through some wrap up stuff real quick. Out now presents what's out. What's out now? These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Uh, we have Arrival. Okay. This is pretty good. Yeah, great. Uh, the Edge of Seventeen. Good. Seen it. What'd you say? Haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Okay. Oh, Abe, it's great. Watch it. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. I want to see it. I want to see it. I, I I don't know how that works on the home video. I don't I don't think the effect works at that point. Right. <laughs> I think kind of the chance to see it the way you should see it has passed. Uh, yeah. It's unfortunate, I guess, even because I don't think the movie's that good outside of that. Even that, I wasn't fan of as far as the frame rate right uh bleed for this did anyone see this one this is the miles teller boxing God, that drama. Was so obnoxious that looks it's Aaron, obnoxious. Aaron Eckhart. Ugh, i i him oh, God, it, it me it's so weird how how my i've gone so back and so quickly i am so not a miles teller person lately and that just looks like everything i would hate about miles teller See, what I mean, lately, like, what, where was this, well, where was this teetering he, edge? Well, he's great in Whiplash and in Spectacular now, but like, I mean, so, but he has a dud butt, so like, where when did it change? Were you? I <laughs> honestly, I think it's, it's his face. It's, <laughs> I mean, like, it's not his fault he got into a car accident. and He's got scars. Well, no, no, like, like, okay, there's resting bitch face, then there's resting Miles Teller face. Exactly. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. That was that. Now presents what's now. Let's oh, there's on. only only those three. No, not many through this week. Yeah. Okay. Last week was big. Yeah, it was. Um, next up, extremely cool. These are things that are now on Netflix I could recommend. Um, I haven't watched this yet, but David Brent, Life on the Road, which is a continuation of the David Brent character from the Ricky Gervais office. I'm excited to watch that because The Office is one of my favorite shows. Uh, the UK office. 
And um, let's see, Clouds of Sils Maria, which Peter, that was on your top ten list. I love that movie. Yeah, great movie. So what, Binoche and Stewart? Yeah, great. All right. It's extremely cool. Let's see, next week, next week's show, we're going to talk a Here for Wellness. We're going to talk about the new Gore Verbinski film. Yeah. Which uh, I I have seen at this point. But I've also seen. Hold off, hold off on talking about that one. But yeah, it, uh, it's a cinematic adventure to go on, that's for sure. And I'll be very curious yeah, to hear Abe's reaction. Check it out, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's the plan for next week, which has a number of releases. The, what, The Great Wall comes out with uh, Matt Damon. That's right. Ice Cube's um, Fist Fight comes out. Fist Fight comes out. And uh, one other thing, one other thing that comes out, I think, next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you thinking of? I'm thinking of, of course... No, that's it. That's what I was thinking of. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I'm, I'm seeing another movie this week, and that, that's what I was thinking of. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Well, with that said, let's do the last thing here. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Alan Aguilera, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, John Wick 2. What are you going to see next? Probably Get Out. All right. Or I might try to Pete. catch Lion, uh, but one of those two will be my next movie. All right. Uh, Peter Paris, what should people go and see in theaters right now? John Wick 2, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm my next one might be Batman, or it'll be one of the screenings like uh, The Great Wall. Mm. Abe, John Wick 2, and next Cure for Wellness. Yeah, I would I would say John Wick 2, as we said today. Um, I would say the Lego Batman movie, of course, and uh, if you can catch the Oscar-nominated shorts, uh, which are now in theaters, that's a uh, it's good to catch up on those films as well. Nice. Might find something that you really like, and you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that otherwise. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and yeah, next I'm going to see The Great Wall. Actually, that's the next thing. Oh, interesting. My, uh, okay. Schedule, uh, which I'm very curious about. I'm curious about the director, the director is... Director of Hero. Right. I mean, so it's going to be visually yeah. spectacular, I imagine. So uh, see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeiseat.com. You can find me also writing daily at screenrant.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? More fun stuff over at twitter.com slash Moose and Instagram, uh, Instagram Oakley Doakley. Alan Aguilera, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. It's going to be Aldo Rain, A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. Or they can find me on Twitter at Mr. Aldo Rain. So it's M-R, the same as my Instagram name. Or they can come to my bar, and if you're in Charlotte, at the Corner Bar. Thanks. Peter Paris, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, people can find me at Twitter at uh, Pajamo, P-A-J-A-M-O. All right. And, uh, yeah, you can find all the other episodes about Now Theron and Abe on iTunes and on Audioboom. You, you can also listen to us over at SoundCloud, HHWLED, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us feedback over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And I'm sure there's plenty of gifts of Keanu Reeves shooting people in the face, so you can look, give us over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> uh, Alan and Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's show. Next week, we got Care for Wellness. So we'll see back to Until then, until next time, so long. Yeah, goodbye. In the darkest night, I make the bad guys fall. There's a million heroes, but I'm the best of them all. Who has the coolest gadgets? Who has the tricked out ride? Who does the sickest backflips?
playing guitar also. Someone asks you if you're a Stubbs member, you, you always say yes. You just say yes to it? They don't, yeah. Like, they didn't look at my card, bro. They just gave right. it to me. 